As a small business owner, you're reimagining the way you work. From rethinking your bandwidth to reassessing your voice solutions, you're changing the way you do business. And at Cox Business, so are we. Our flexible internet and voice packages give you the solutions you need to get back to business. Rethink, reconnect, reimagine. Get 50 megs of internet and IPC select for only $69 per month for six months. No annual contract required. Ends 9-30-20. Restrictions apply. Visit coxbusiness.com for details. All services subject to Cox Business general terms. Previously on Bad Radio. I don't know what this is. This is going make to be. Make sure Boozy's kid and never. Is this off Dallas? Black? Yeah. It's a five-year-old no, five girl. Okay, and you better make sure this thing is edited. I'm not. All right. We're taking a chance here on the radio. Ready? Let's do dump and chase. Whoa. Let's see what happens. I told you. Don't dump it. We told wow. you. We just told you. And no, no, I'm going to take a chance. <laughs> What'd she say? She said the N-word. <laughs> she did? Yes. Why? But oh. You did that on why purpose. Why can't we hear that? How did I do that on purpose? I just saw that. Why is it that Dallas bad? Dallas Black just told me that little Boosie had a message. See, that's and Jake tried to tell you, hey, you better make sure. No, no, everything's fine. She's only five. Wait, Jake. did anyone dump it? That's yes. off air, oh, okay. Bob. Because I didn't. <laughs> on air. Right. I'll let it go. She is adorable. I'd like to. Uh... <laughs> she tried to tell you all <laughs> How come Chris Rock can do a routine and everybody finds it hilarious and groundbreaking and then I go and do the exact same routine, same comedic timing, and people file a complaint to corporate? Is it because I'm white and Chris is black? Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, he's, he's ruined, he's butchering it. I, I'm, could you just let me, every time, every time black people want to have a good time, some ignorant ass no, I take care of my kids. Wait, wait, wait. You always want credit stop, for something stop, they're stop supposed it. to stop do. Stop it. What you want, a cookie? I know that Bob is uh, something that's probably going to be say that should be saved for the internet on Twitter. But I'm going to go ahead and read this tweet. What's up? Because I think it's important. Hopefully, John Daniels is listening right now. Sean Bass has just tweeted, "My limits." Chew, 5 for 95. Nelly, 3 for 48. Well, what if we now went we can 3 for forward. 50? Uh-huh. No, no, yeah. no. His limits. Yeah. This so, is it. What are the limits again? Say Sean it, has say, laid say a limit. Again. My limits. Right. Chew, 5 for 95. Nelly, 3 for 48. What about 3 hey, for 48? Hey. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Limits. 3 for 48. Five for ninety-five. His limits. No. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Those are the limits. So what about just, an option here? Hey, no, wait, wait, wait. So is this from? So Sean has laid down the law. From yeah. henceforth, this is known as the Bass algorithm, as which he. <laughs> Has reached this complex formula to spit out those numbers. My think, limits. You think JD wrote it down? Kind of put oh, it on a post-it oh. note. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, just follow up. Hang on, hang on. Someone then tweeted him back. You're willing to go three for Nelly, but not six for Chew. Hang on. Sean's reply. I give Chew an option year for oh. six. Oh, okay. So those weren't his limits. Now we find he's pliable. Yeah. Is this guy a you know waffler? What? I hope that... That's worse than Clinton. I hope Chew's agent isn't reading this, seeing how flexible Sean is all of a sudden. He had a limit. <laughs> and then one, one, minute, guy's one, guy. <laughs> one guy. One guy. Oh, it's at Scott Boris, though. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. That was a great laugh. I love you. By the way. <laughs> Do we need more? Boris. You think, laugh? You think he only follows Sean? I wonder if wait, I... Wait, you go wait to his a minute, Twitter Sean. Account. No, he thinks Sean is negotiating on behalf of the <laughs> Oh, oh you think... <laughs> yeah. Right. On Twitter. Come on, Sean. Boris replies back, BS. Call me when you're serious. I'm going to need an option. <laughs> this, this negotiation is over. Yeah, this is not even a start. <laughs> Unfollow. <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> Wish I held onto a little piece of that thing, because the buzz is any indicator. That movie's going to make some huge bank. What buzz? The internet buzz. What the fuck is the internet? The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. Here's what we're looking for. Moviepoopshoot.com. Poopshoot. Yeah. This is a site populated by militant movie buffs. Sad, pathetic little bastards living in their parents' basement, downloading scripts and what they think is inside information about movies and actors they claim to despise yet can't stop discussing. Okay, this is about Blunt Manic Chronic right here. Inside sources tell me Miramax is starting production this Friday on their adaptation of underground comic fave Blunt Man and Chronic. Friday? It does it say who's fucking playing us in the movie? No, but it's Miramax, so I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. Who? You know those kids from uh, Good Will Hunting? You mean that fucking movie with Mork from Ork in it? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan either. But Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Word, bitch. Phantoms like a mall fucker. What's up now? Sure, I've been called a xenophobe, but the truth is I'm not. Honestly, just feel that America's the best country and all the other countries aren't as good. That used to be called patriotism. Relax. It's a party. We promise to deliver white girls. Right about now, Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket presents the Bob and Dan Weekly Wrap-Up Podcast. This week, it's the Tyler Sagan Show, Mark Stein, and Luke is so hot right now. Also, Jake Z, hashtag he's on my note, Julie Dabs, R.I.P. T.K. Fleming, and R.I.P. Donnie Doo. And now two guys that want those Gohan shoes just like Luca wears. It's Bob Sturm and Dan McDowell. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go So grown, so huge, fuck out of here. I'm in control here, Bill. Football. Isn't football great? Man, I love football wow. so much. You want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Is this it? Is this it? Get out! No idea what to do right now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Greetings and salutations, P1s, and welcome again to another episode of the Bad Radio Weekly Wrap Up Podcast, covering the week of November 23rd. On this week's jam packed pre Thanksgiving podcast, we have the Crow Line. We also have some Cowboys talk. We have a Cowboys vs. Patriots preview. We have some Luca Donchick talk. We have the Joel Klatt show. We talk with Mark Stein, the Tyler Sagan show, Homer Call of the Week, Week 11, and Picks with Friends. 
We start things off, like always, with the crow line. Start of message. Chappy, chappy, chappy. Keep those picks coming, baby. I love those Jets against the Skins today, baby. I loaded up. You know what? Give me another game for next weekend, Chappy. I'm calling because I don't really care about the Cowboys winning, but whatever that pick was, the Jets over Washington, when the guys make those picks, it's 15 and 1, now it's 16 1. I need that guy to tell me more picks because daddy's going broke. Chappie's lock of the week came in and we are buying groceries. Somebody please tell me why the Dallas Cowboy defense is over there getting ran through like Jake's mom in her college year. Hi, everybody. It's Dyson Moore. We'll look for Darius Thompson to start for Jeff Heath today as Jeff is on the inactive list. Zeke's first time to get the f***ing touch the ball and he f***ing fumbles it. Oh, and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Hey, Jake, I just saw that fumble. Now I'm heading to the golf course. This team f***ing sucks. We held Bill Callahan accountable. We held Wade Wilson accountable. There's no excuse if we lose this game. If we lose... I'm calling for the job of assistant offensive line coach Adam Kleffner. The hot boys are a hot pile of shit. Gordo, trying to watch the football game. Shut the fuck up with the stoma man comments. Jesus Christ. Is anyone else on the toilet right now? I jokingly texted my friends, Bo Scarborough, revenge game. Welcome to hell, Cowboys fans. Y'all see the Marlboro Man doctor feeling up on Randall Cobb test? Charles Davis sucks. Hey, Bab Radio. David Moore here. Look, the Cowboys are cruising to victory this afternoon, but why? Well, look, it's because they've gotten away from their game plan of only philosophically speaking, handing the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. They've gotten Tony Pollard involved in this first half, and they're doing well spreading the ball around to the likes of Michael Gallup and folks like that on the outside and not focusing on Amari Cooper. Hello, Jake. This is Tidobe Awuche. I am still laughing in the third quarter because Dan said Kajana. I just heard the fake Chris Collinsworth on the ticket. I was just calling to see if the fake Chris Collinsworth likes to prey on dumb high school girls like the real one does. You know, it, it's great that Matt Patricia supports the troops, but why did we all forget about the rape allegations against him? Go cows. Hey, boys, it's me, uh, Blake uh, Jorwin. Um, hey, guys, if you guys know any way of getting that um, that old man number 82 off the field, um, that'd be great. Just let me know because, I mean, it's second and eight, and he just catched the pass for four yards, so... Uh, and then he fist-pumped about it. Um, so if we can do something about that, get him off the field, because I think I'm just a little bit faster and better and stronger, and then I probably eat squirrels better than him. Um, but, all right, love you, bye. Does Jason Garrett get spray tans? Just throwing that out there. Leighton Van Der Esch. Leighton Van Der Esch. Leighton Van Der Esch. He'll miss a tackle and he'll run on by. What's the difference between Dak and Jake? Jack is awesome. Jake sucks. Uh, yeah, hey, fellas, it's uh, Jim f***ing Lights here. How you guys doing? Hey, listen, love what you're doing here uh, with the uh, with the theater, uh, listening in, uh, watching the f***ing game. 
some of these guys are f***ing lollygagging their ass all over the place. Uh, I just couldn't help but call in since you guys are doing this. Love what you're doing, though. Hey, uh, love it. I'm a Texan. Been here a long time, so I'm watching the football, getting all involved in it. Uh, but listen, hey, some of these guys need to f***ing pick up the pace, huh? Hey, let's go. Hey, love the show. End of message. Step onto the observation deck. Tomorrow morning at 6.15 on Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, The Tick. Whoa. Sorry. Bad Radio has some Cowboys talk. Wednesday, the Musers explore Kid Zania at Stonebriar in Frisco. Kid Zania is an 85,000-square-foot facility for kids that operates like a real city with buildings, paved streets, and an economy. Kids choose professions, and they role-play them. So visit with the family. Kid Zania will open soon. KidZaniaUSA.com for more info. And uh, the Musers there on Wednesday. All right. Well, that song, Bob, means that it's a victory Monday. The Cowboys with a uh, closer than you'd like, but I still think a pretty good victory against the Detroit Lions on the road, 35-27. to 27. You don't choose to be angry? Uh, no, I'm feeling okay. Game they certainly needed. Right? As you look at the rest of the schedule, very important. A, uh, you don't want to call it a must win, but, you know, you'd really like to have that one. They got it, and the big takeaway as you come out of this game is I think Dak Prescott might be really good. Like, you can point to who his opponents are, but... Not everybody, you know, no, not many people can do what you've seen him do these past few weeks. This year, the step that he's taken, we always threaten to go over our best quarterbacks, you know, our, our ranking for quarterbacks under 30, where we put each guy. But I think he keeps climbing that week after week. I mean, we'll, we'll, even when they lose, it's like, why didn't you use Dak there in the handed off a couple times to Zeke last week, right? You okay? Uh, I get a little choked, choked up here, <laughs> the whole winter song. But but I, listen, clearly, we come out of this game and we're thinking more, uh, even higher than Dak than we've ever thought of. He's playing awesome. If you listen to this show, you know already that going into the season, we thought Dak Prescott was really good. I've made statistical cases for him without any of 2019 at all that suggested he was an extremely rare uh levels of accomplishment for a for, for a third year quarterback you know so i don't know if you remember that but uh it was so guys in their first three years in the league 
uh, most touchdowns generated, both passing and running, and then uh, most victories presiding over. And when you use those two thresholds, he's never had a losing season, and uh, he generates a huge number of touchdowns. Now, the passing touchdowns uh, lagged behind a little bit, but then you added his ridiculous number of running touchdowns, which I think, aside from Cam Newton, and I'm sure Lamar Jackson's going to make a run at this, of course, but uh, aside from Cam Newton, nobody was close to uh, what Dak was generating for touchdowns uh, with his feet. So when you put those two together, because, uh, you know, you un- have to. unlike two-pointers and three-pointers in basketball, a running and passing touchdown is worth exactly the same. So you're right. You have to put those together. It's what makes him good. And he was in extremely rare company. And then, of all the guys through three years that generated that many wins and that many touchdowns, uh, the only one that was comparable to him when it came to, okay, now they also don't turn the ball over. Because it's great to have lots of touchdowns, but at what cost? Which Dak never turns the ball over. So who was in that group? And I want to say the only guy close was Russell Wilson the first three years he was in there. Now, Russ, of course, I think in year three, Jake, won the Super Bowl. So that's an easy way to get everyone's acceptance that you're good. And in year three, Dak did not win the Super Bowl. He won a wild card game against Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson head to head, ironically enough, and then uh, lost in that that pesky round of eight. Anyway, I say all that to say, if you thought he was already good, which I already did, but you saw some things that needed to improve, the interest uh, to throw vertically more often, the b- self belief in your arm, the self belief in uh, your ability to take some chances, and uh, then just the ability to stop being sacked so many times, which. I think I definitely disagree with a lot of my analytics friends that say sacks are strictly a quarterback stat because I don't believe that for a second, and I don't think any coach in the world believes that either. But I believe it is shared. And certainly Peyton and Eli taught us, and Tom Brady has taught us, that even with crap offensive lines, you can avoid sacks just by getting the ball out of there. So I agree. It's part of it. Now, if I thought it was all of it, I would never pay a left tackle a million dollars every Sunday to protect my quarterback. But whatever. Uh, now we're 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 uh, slicing uh, slicing hairs, if you will. But uh, anyway, the sacks are way, 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 way down. The big plays are way, way up. And and yes, Dak Prescott has uh, found an all new level, which has made him blow right past all the quarterbacks in the 2016 draft class this year including the guy I've definitely stand hard for over the years when Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, another guy I like a ton. And watching those two guys play yesterday after watching Dak play, it it's really dangerous for us to rank quarterbacks because that's like, you know, ranking uh, the temperature in North Texas. It's constantly changing. So if we take a snapshot of our opinion in September and then do it again in November, we're going to look silly in September. But if we do it again next September, we're going to look silly than what we came up with today. So while I say I think Dak is blown by Wentz and Goff, I should say, yeah, but this is pro sports. That's not necessarily going to remain that way forever. Yeah, but he seems like he's getting better and they don't, which is the most important thing. That's true. I'm just saying six months ago, you could have said it the other way. Goff looks like he's still getting better. 
Prescott looks like he hit the threshold, right? Yeah, that's fair. I just Baker. feel like every year with Dak, I agree. it's been a gradual incremental improvement. I I love what I'm saying. I love what I'm seeing. I just don't necessarily want to marry myself to the fact. And, and then the other thing is, you know, there's those two guys got contracts right before their performance dropped. Dak hasn't got his contract yet. He might still be improved at stage. Now, I don't believe I'm not one of these people. You can find them everywhere. But I'm not one of these people that believe all you need to be a top professional athlete is an expiring contract. And then suddenly it all becomes clear to you on what you need to do to be a success. It's way more difficult to be a good quarterback than that. Well, it's unbelievable what he is doing. Let's look at some of the unbelievable numbers and keep uh, keep having fun here on a Cowboy Victory Monday next. Hey, just a reminder, we're doing our movie of the month tomorrow in North Richland Hills at the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. It is Tropic Thunder. This one, a Jake suggestion. And I think uh, people are into it. Yeah. You watched it already? I did. I can't be with you tomorrow night, but I have uh, already done my homework for our Wednesday review. It's a worthy movie, is it not? <laughs> it's... I think it's highly underrated, it's actually. It's insanely ridiculous, and you're right. I don't know how I've never taken the time to watch it because <laughs> it's just so star-studded and ridiculous. And I mean, what a cast, huh? Uh, who do we got? Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black. Yeah, Ben, ben Stiller. Stiller. The, Tom Cruise. The, the, I was going to say, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise and Matthew McConaughey probably make the movie for me. Tom Cruise, that was a legendary thing yeah. that he did. So, yeah. Anyway. McConaughey uh, trying to get a TiVo out there. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And if you, you want Danny McBride playing that exact same Danny McBride character. Stop it. No, there's nothing. Look. if you, just, It sounds mean when you say it because he's, he's just awesome. He's but in a lot right. of things, and he's Danny McBride every time. It's a good character to settle on if you're yeah. going to play one. Look, it's been I'm extremely profitable for him to be him. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, you can go to bobanddan.com. We have a link there to drafthouse.com slash DFW. Um, bobanddan.com, though, I think Gordo likes it because he owns it and he loves getting clicks. So go there. Join us for the movie tomorrow night. We're in the big theater, Jake. Looks like they're doing good on the sales, So, so but still lots of seats available. So I did a lot of yapping in that last segment, which might be the name of the show, but... Uh, I did want to hear your your thoughts on on the Dak thing, only because as I'm watching it and 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 he's making plays and he's throwing for 400 again and really setting the uh, the bar higher and higher for himself. People respond with, oh, "Put another million on the pile," you know. He's making more money for himself. My thought on that is, well, there's one potential pitfall, but my overall thought is, I'd rather pay a guy 32 or 34 or 36. And be sure, then pay twenty seven or twenty eight or thirty, and be speculating that he might be good if we stay down this path. And and so if the Cowboys said it's worth it, even if it's five six million dollars a season more for us to pay him, let's say one twenty five guaranteed later, rather than one hundred guaranteed now, if we can get another 16 games of information. And if we find it to be 
to make the decision, then a no-brainer, then I think that might be defined as good business, even, well, though, I think even you're, though we like to kick them every time they do something. You're in no-brainer territory now as far as you got to lock this guy up, right? Lock him up. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now the, uh, the flip side is what happens if we're still sitting here at the end of January, we're doing Super Bowl week, and they haven't done anything with Amari or Dak, and you have one franchise tag, then what happens? I'm not saying you ever have a choice because you absolutely positively go with the quarterback, but I can't lose Amari. You can't lose Amari. So Amari... Uh, You'd rather lose Zeke than either one of those guys, but we've already been down that road. If Amari and Dak are smart, they're both saying, "Let's. What's the incentive for one of us to take a deal? Because the second one of us takes the deal, the other guy is going to get the franchise tag. What if we both drag our feet? Maybe they give us both sweetheart deals, and of course that hurts the cap. But hey, let the let the team figure that one out. They're the ones who had to give Zeke his money right away. Yeah, I mean, which by the way is why Zeke jumped in line. I'm sorry, I'll I'll shut up now. But uh, that's why Zeke jumped in line is he saw this coming around the 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 corner, or his agent did, and said, "Man, I can't be last in line behind those guys. They're going to eat up the entire cap." Yeah, as far as his agent is concerned, it was a brilliant move. You know, I kind of wanted to see the Cowboys stand firm and just say we just don't do this two years out and all that, and but that would have caused a big thing, and they didn't want a big thing, so. You know, it's like whatever. Um, that's it's very interesting speculation for down the road, I suppose, because we're not there quite yet. But uh, I, I I do think they could be second guessed and criticized in the long run if it's thirty five or forty million a year in the end, when it could have been twenty five, and they knew they were going to lock him up no matter what, like at the beginning of the year or last year, like. Look, he's been better than we could have ever expected. He's clearly proven he could at least, you know, you were saying this last year. You know, he's at least clearly proven he's better than half the quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's so hard to even find one of those. Don't you have to be three years in to even get an extension, though? Yes, but as much as I advocated for Dak, I think so, Jake. I don't know if it's just that way for first-round picks, though. Okay. I'm not positive. Because I know before this year, there's no chance he was taking $25 million. No, probably not, but I do think that last November that wasn't insane. Otherwise, I wouldn't have proposed it, but whatever. The point The point is, if if their view was we are merely projecting what he might be like in a more robust, aggressive offense, and let's actually see what that looks like, then asked and answered, right? Yeah, yeah. They've had, they've I, had and, one and game under 399 yards. That's insane. We are not, 10 games into the season. They've had one poor offensive game. One. Yeah. At, at New Orleans. That's and, the only one. And I'm with you that, yes, you'd rather be very sure and pay more. And, you know, they're still working with them on the the quarterback is the guy who takes a little less on good teams to make sure we keep the band together. I don't know if they're going to buy any of that, but... You know, you have seen it work real well in New England. I just, after yesterday, though, I just was looking, you know, people are digging up different numbers, and uh, I think they're just kind of eye-popping stuff that I don't think a couple of years ago you would have said, this will be Dak Prescott. I will be reading Dak Prescott's name along with these numbers, like 
with six games to go, he has four games under his belt this year with at least 375 yards passing and two touchdowns. That's second most in a season in NFL history. Peyton did it uh, more. I think Joe Montana also did it four times. So right now, you know, these are little arbitrary things that you pick certain places, certain numbers to pick, but right, still, if your name is up there with Peyton Manning and Joe Montana, is that something I could have told you a couple years ago that we'd be throwing Dak's name around with them? In uh, How about this? No Dallas Cowboys quarterback has ever hit the 3,000-yard mark in the first 10 games of a season. Dak is there. So not Romo. Uh, certainly Aikman and Staubach were in kind of a different era, so, so you, you wouldn't expect that. But okay, say that one again. He's uh, 10 games into the season. He's already got 3,000 yards passing. Dang. And no quarterback has ever done that in the history of the Cowboys uh, since week nine. So a three-game span that he's had. He has 1,098 passing yards. The most in franchise history for three weeks in a row. So any three-week stretch that Romo ever had where he was slinging it around, he never had this many uh, passing yards. And then uh, we like doing this when Amari hit this mark, right? Yeah. So let's do it right now for the last 16 games. So going back to week 12 last season, Dak's last 16 games, uh, 69.3 uh, passing percentage or completion percentage, right? Nice. Let's get some points over here for Bob. We have, uh, oh, okay, you know how many yards he's thrown for? 16 games. I want to say it's right at the 5,000 mark, which is Four, absurd. 4968. Jeez. Almost 5,000 yards in 16 games. That's Drew Brees stuff. That's, uh, you know, that that's just awesome quarterback stuff, yeah. right? You don't back into that. You don't bus drive your way to 5,000 yards passing in 16 games. And then you might say, well, yeah, but you, uh, you're often slinging it around when you're losing, right? They're 11-5. and five. Yeah. This is regular season games, uh, and 37 touchdowns, Bob. 32 passing, 5 rushing. Don't discount the rushing, because that means so much if you're able to do that. And he's, he is able to do that. He's taking deep shots at a rate he never has. He's uh, leading at an the incredible league rate. in deep shot touchdowns. No, uh, yards, yards per attempt, QBR, passer rating. You look anywhere you want. Uh, these are the numbers that... Got Pat Mahomes the MVP last year, and Dak is kind of pound for pound right there with him, and imagine how insane that is. I think if the Cowboys had a better record, then you'd be talking about him as the MVP. Right now, I think it's it's clearly Lamar is uh, number one. I would say Russ is number two. Uh, I, McCaffrey has a lot of MVP buzz around him, and I think had their team not fallen off a bit, Past couple weeks, that'd probably be bigger, but his his numbers continue to be awesome. I don't know how clear that is, man. I mean, what? I think he's the front runner. Dak? Yes. For MVP now? Yes. All right. Well, you're a homer because Lamar Jackson is. But Lamar Jackson is the front runner for MVP. 
hands down, it's an easy call. I think part of the Lamar Jackson thing is that we're obsessed with our shiny new toy, and everybody already made their mind up about what Prescott was the second he was picked 135th. Yeah. All right, all right, He's knock been... off New England like Lamar Jackson did, and okay. we'll talk. Yeah. Because Lamar yeah. Jackson didn't do it against Miami, and, uh, you know, if you could say anything, you'd say Dak has beat up on the uh, the lesser thans, although that's true. 5,000 yards passing is 5,000 yards passing. Um, but yeah, wait till this pat next weekend. If he goes on a national stage and knocks off New England because of him, because the reason that Baltimore beat uh, New England was Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no, and we all know the only chance the Cowboys have of beating the Patriots is Dak. Do we all know that? <laughs> it seems or like is, they uh, know now. Do the I, Cowboys realize that? Do they they realize we I, don't I, ride well, see, on, that's on why, Zeke? That's, I think we saw a lot of signs about that yesterday. I think now, now it's easy in Detroit, I guess. And so I, I don't necessarily want to turn this already into a Patriots pregame show. But when you talk about those seasons in 2014 and 2016, what made us believe that those teams were actually contenders. And I'll tell you the answer. It's the signature road win of 2014 at Seattle, 2016 at Lambeau, and then at Pittsburgh. These are the these are the massive, massive, massive momentum builders of belief in a locker room and uh, on a roster that, son of a gun, we just went into New England and got a win. Now, nobody's going to necessarily have the guts to predict that. I have no idea what the spread is. I assume it's near a touchdown. Actually, I do. I think I saw six and a half last night uh, was uh, how it opened. We'll see what that does during the week. But uh, the uh, Patriots are 67-9 and nine at home. But I have to tell you, this, this version of the Patriots, they're trying to figure it out on the fly, and their offense is having a really hard time generating things, and their defense is what is making it work for them. And I'm really, really, really curious on what Belichick tries to take away. Now, again, I'd love for us to focus more on yesterday's game, but in a way, that kind of helps give you an idea of what New England might do because it's Matt Patricia. Doesn't have exactly the same personnel, but he does have his, you know, Gilmore is Darius Slay, and, you know, he just took Trey Flowers. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that are meant to mimic what New England puts together. New England, not a superstar-filled defense by any stretch of the imagination, but we know Belichick does one thing. He takes away your best pitch. So now, are we all on the same page that the best pitch is Dak Prescott and not Ezekiel Elliott? Bad radio previews, the Cowboys versus Patriots game. I don't know if we're going to get into a little argument here, but let's talk Patriots. Okay. As a This is your first look in DFW. Not one radio station has had the guts. I'm not even sure they're aware of it. To preview this game. Most people do wait till like the pregame show on Sunday. Not us. Which I We're going to right now look ahead. Which I'm blessed to be a part of. And the postgame show, right? Pre and post. Double trouble. It seemed like a good idea in August. I was going to say, I remember we had a meeting once, and we were talking about how we were all going to do some pre's and posts, and would you rather it be different days, or would you rather it all at once? And I know you spoke up, and I think I joined you saying, let's just get it all at once. Let's try it all at once. I think I had this idea with the dentist as well. Would you like to do this in two appointments, or just do it all at the same time? And I say, let's just get it over with. And now that it's here... You're like, oh, man, because that's I, a long day, man. Why didn't I split that up? 
No, it'll be great. That's long enough, Jake. You do post game and you show up for the game. So just to be there all day, and then post game. I mean, no one's going to cry for you. You're no, watching sports. No, no. Are you kidding? Game of the year. This is an honor. It is a uh, big game. Big game for the Cowboys. And where do they stand? Big game, Bob. Perhaps a <laughs> perhaps a big game for the Patriots too, because if you're a Patriots detractor, and I might have one sitting with me. Nah. You uh you might say, Well, who have the Patriots played? Well, well and you, you you have. You've said this earlier this year. Like, let's take a look at the list of quarterbacks that they've knocked off this year. It kind of applies to the Cowboys pass offense and the Patriots pass defense. Yeah. Their schedules are remarkably similar. I kind of feel like if we're gonna look at Dak's numbers and say, dude, this is extremely legit for real MVP candidate stuff with that schedule. Right. Kind of have to say the same thing about the Pats. D schedule withstanding. Yeah. Or not withstanding. Yeah. In fact, I did that on Twitter yesterday. And the average offense the Patriots have played to build their number one passing defense is 25.5. Think about that. They have averaged basically the 25th or 26th best offense as an opponent. The Cowboys, it's 20th. Now, you may say that sounds very similar I would say 20th is pretty close to league average. 25.5 is pretty close to the very worst in the league. But, uh, yeah, there, neither of them have uh, have played nothing but top 10 opponents. The difference, of course, is one team and one franchise has everlasting credibility. You know, if you go to three straight Super Bowls and nine over the course of 20 years and things like that, you're probably going to have credibility. And then the other one is just swimming in endless cynicism where they could literally be 10-0 and 0 right now and win on Sunday. And by Tuesday, everybody would say, that's great. We're going to need to see it in January. Yeah, Well, that's the bed you've made. Well, it took two decades to make that bet. Which is another word for credibility. The Patriots don't have to have any. They don't have to beat anybody. They don't have to answer any questions. The Cowboys, there's nothing they can do this time of year to fully quiet everybody up. We all know it. uh, So we should all be able to sort of ignore the noise, and yet it's impossible to do. You know, this is a measuring stick game for the Cowboys, but like I wrote this morning, there is no such thing for the Patriots. They are the measuring stick. You don't you don't right. measure the Patriots against themselves. Uh, if you need credibility from them, they point you to their trophy case and say, uh, uh, "We'll we'll see you guys in January." Like every year, they get as many playoff wins as Romo had in his career, or Garrett in his career. Every I mean, every off season, every every uh, postseason. So almost. so I will tell you. I don't really buy the 2019 Patriots. I don't buy them offensively. They're bad offensively. I don't buy them defensively because, honestly, they haven't really played an offense that's any good aside from the Ravens, and uh, the Ravens gave them all sorts of trouble. However, it doesn't matter because they're going to be a one or a two seed in the AFC. They're going to probably play all their games in Foxborough in January, and, and all of this, all these questions won't matter partly because they'll be super fresh and super healthy uh, because of their division and partly because they're awesome. And by the way, both can be true. They can play a joke, ridiculous schedule in a joke, ridiculous division and be awesome. 
Both can be true. It isn't an either or. That's the thing with the Patriots fans who get so mad at me. It's like, look, you don't have to. This isn't about you. This is about the way the NFL system is set up and the way the owners will never give up these ridiculous eight divisions in a 32-team league because it's it's uh, it's stacked to make the TV ratings what they are. And they, I, they know if they can. I'm sorry. They know if they can program in Cowboys. Eagles twice a year, Cowboys, Giants twice a year, you know, all those division battles that do good TV numbers. Why would they give that up if they don't have to? They're raking the money. And I think you've probably used this comp before. Wasn't, wouldn't you have charged San Francisco with this same benefit? The, the 49ers of the 80s had a very similar setup. They had a joke Falcons team, a joke Saints team. You know, it, it, the, the whole division was a joke. They would get home field throughout. Yeah, it's this isn't the first time it's ever happened, but it is the first they still time. They to win those playoff games. <laughs> first time it's happened for 20 straight years, yes. And they still have to, you know, the Super Bowl is on a neutral site. Do you know the last time the Patriots did not win the AFC East in a Tom Brady season? So subtract 2008. Subtract the Castle year. Because they actually won 11 games but didn't win their division that year. Right. In a Tom Brady season, the last time they did not win the division. So you're saying it's happened? Yeah. Okay. 2002, though. Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith was still in the NFL. Uh, a lot of things have changed since 2002. Was that Pennington and Joe Namath not caring? Uh, I'm not positive. I even took note of who Dad won it that year. Pennington. When I watched, when I looked at it, I rolled my eyes and uh, moved on to the next thing. But I'll find it for you. So 2002. Anyway, yeah, I just did want to say you can't, you you just can't diminish what they do, what they've done. No, but you can, you can offer context, right? Yeah, but I just don't even, I don't know. Put them in a tougher division, I still think they're just as successful. I mean, why? It is Chad Pennington, by the way. Was it? I don't care about Chad Pennington. <laughs> Struggling. I don't know. It, and and if you want to say, well, he's had Brady. Well, head, yeah. Head coach Herm Edwards. But he saw what Brady had, too. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Parcells finding Romo in a way. No, you can't. I, listen, I just think I want to be clear. To be able to identify the talent. And you talked yesterday just about Belichick is often overmatched in talent. Not often, but he has been overmatched like you have better players than him. And you might even say that this weekend. Yeah. That the Cowboys have better players. I think in a blind taste test, people would take the Cowboys roster over the Patriots roster. and But I don't it, think anybody's saying the Cowboys. I don't even think you're you're picking the Cowboys, but are you actually thinking they'll win the game, or you just think it's going to be close? I think it's going to be close. But you don't think the Cowboys are going to win outright? I think they can win outright, but allow me to be sports talk show host and say I don't have the guts to take Jason Garrett over Bill Belichick in a road game and in what could be a weather game. And there's just there's too many variables, and this is not necessarily a referendum on the Patriots' quality as much as it is a little cynicism about whether Jason Garrett can win a game like this. Let's keep talking about this game next. I can play this on the piano. How long did it take you to learn that one? A couple months. A worthy expenditure of time. Happy nine years, Jake. So has anything happened with Kanye in those nine years? This is when it ended. It was How no- close was I with my declaration that made you and TC so angry? I wasn't that far off, was I? No, but you were forgetting the best one, though. 
Yeah, probably. There's better. How cl- no, 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 the no. point. He the- said that it was over right before this when he met Kim. When he met Kim, just under the window, Kanye became far less useful, and this album came out after Kim, right? Some people would say that the spiral started when Donda passed, but that was a couple years before this. Far more easy to write. <laughs> All right. Um, let's continue talking Patriots. Now, we can say all we want about them, but I i mean, I speak for myself. I never played for the Patriots. Did you uh, play for Belichick? Just a camp. Okay, but you never actually regular no, season game. Did not. Um, Michael Bennett Doesn't did, Doesn't keep though. me from saying in bars, though, that I was on the Patriots. Michael Bennett very recently played for the Patriots this year. So there's a guy that the media want to run and pick his brain. I'm interested in hearing him. Uh, I've listened to just a little of this, but now we all get to hear it together. Okay. The cadence he speaks with. Like, you wouldn't think that would be common among siblings, would you? Like, maybe they'll look kind of the same because you're born, but he speaks like Marty B. Like, listen to just his, Do you think you his could delivery, tell... his speech pattern. It sounds almost Glory. just like Marty B. Do you think you could win a game show where they name this Bennett and you just play Martellus and Michael and you I just have to I figure could, it out? I think I could because I think he's a little lower, okay. a little more soft-spoken. Plus, he won the Black Olympics, so I'll never forget him on the podium after that. Anyway, let's listen to a couple minutes. It's uh, good stuff. Michael Bennett uh, with the media on Patriots Week. What sort of insight can you give this team ahead of this one, knowing just sort of the mindset of the Patriots and the way they do things? I think it's just important to play great discipline football against a great team like this. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of teams who can beat you with the way they execute every single play, and I think the Patriots are one of those plays, teams where they execute every single uh, play, every single um, possession, every single um, um, goal, everything. They're just a really good team, really great organization when it comes down to preparing for teams. So just playing great discipline football is the best way to compete in the NFL. Michael, they, they don't lose at home very often. What, what is it about Foxborough from your experience that makes it such a special place and such a hard place to pick up? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're just a well-coached team. You look at um, it's Belichick. There's it's a lot of great players, a lot of continuity within the organization, and they haven't had a lot of turnover. There's a lot of great players, I think. What makes Bill Belichick so great? Now, obviously, we see it from the outside, but you got to see it from the inside. Just why, why is he so much better than everybody else? I think Bill's just play, seen a lot of football. At the end of the day, I think Bill's just a great uh, motivator. I think he understands the um, football from the beginning. He's a historian when it comes to um, football. He's a place he can remember anything um, when it comes to it. It's a savant. I think he just knows how to put people in great positions to make plays. And I think um, you always go over every single thing about the game, the things that the teams do, the chances that they might take, and I think probability plays a lot into, you know, the, the execution of the team. How do you look at your time in New England? Huh? How do you look at your time in New England? Oh, I, I've, I learned a lot of st- football in New England. I think at the same time, I think as a 
player, you go into the situation and you think you know football, and then you meet somebody who's above you and knows everything about the game. For me, I learned a lot about football in that situation, learning how to execute at a high level, learning what it takes to develop players, or learning what it what it feels like to you know break down game planning from a different perspective. And I think it was good for me as a player, you know, if I ever wanted to be a coach, it'd be a good situation to take in into that. From the time you spent there uh, as a teammate of Brady's and all the big games you played against him, what is it you've taken from those experiences? That I think Brady's just a game? cool guy. I think the thing I take it from Brady is just he just how what great leader that he is. For me personally, I think that there's a lot of people on teams where guys are like the best player and they don't spend a lot of time with the, each individual, but I think Brady's a very approachable player. I think he does a great job of uh, bringing guys together and also just, just hanging with everybody. I think that makes the team feel really good when you grow up and you look at a guy and he has everything in the league and at the same time he's down to earth. I think that's what makes Brady one of the best leaders in the, in the NFL. Are there things from that experience that you know how to play against him that you think can benefit your team? Or? No, I don't think so. What does it take for a defense to effectively shut down Brady or interrupt him? I don't know. Just I think it's just playing football really at the end of the day. And you can help the team with? No. Nope. <laughs> they're on their own on that one. He's too good. <laughs> I, I think one of the great things about Belichick is that he is, you know, because you always say um, guys have their time and then the game sometimes passes them by. He not only keeps up with the changes in the game, it seems like he's at the front of it. Like he makes the changes. Yeah, like he's he's the guy changing things because he sees – you know, how can I beat this that everybody else is doing now or whatever? Like, you know, he's the guy that started, if I'm not mistaken, I probably am, but I'm going to keep rolling, right? Sure. Why change now? Uh, he's the guy that started the bit of having a left-footed punter. And because I think they, he just wanted something different. He thought that would be different. The ball is kicked a little differently. The spin comes different. That'll be that'll set us apart. I don't know if that works or not, but it's it's different. Now look across the league, dude. The amount, the number of left-footed punters, you would be shocked that it that that many even exist. I think I probably would be. Like a lot of people, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm just saying that is one little example. But you know, Tom Brady was the first quarterback to ever throw for 50 touchdowns in a season, and and Bill Belichick, when hired when hired by the Browns, was like, he's a defensive genius. He'll And it, you, that used to be a thing, right? No, I'm hiring he, a defensive coach or an offensive coach. Well, we're going to get a good defense because we have Belichick. Well, Belichick has been more innovative on offense, the two tight end bit. You know, the yeah. just, just making it work without any guys you can name now no, as I, wide receiver. There's there's no or, or their running back is never, the you th- know. The thing about Belichick they never had is, an Emmett Smith or a it's, it's, Zeke or a, it's somewhat difficult to uh to nail down stylistically what stylistically what he is because uh he's changed season to season and he's now changing week to week which is really making it exciting. Uh the what the job he did last year in the final two games against the Chiefs and the Rams might be his masterpiece. And in 2019, Tom Brady, in certain levels, let me let me read you this paragraph that I put together this morning, uh, just to give you a portrait of the Tom Brady season. And you can tell me is he playing great or is he clearly in decline? 
As it stands now, we can either say this is one of Tom Brady's best seasons for keeping this team at the top without a notable supporting cast or a sure sign of a decline at age 42. He is throwing the ball a ton. In fact, he is on pace to lead the NFL in completions, while his attempts are right there with the league leaders as well. It is remarkable how many passes he is attempting per game, more than 40, the most of his career. He's also completing more passes per game than at any point of his career. His completion percentage is down quite a bit. His touchdowns per game are their lowest since 2003, and the yards per attempt are the lowest since 2006. He is, uh, his yards per attempt is only 6.8. His career average is 7.5, and the number in 2016 and 2017 when he was over the age of 40 was over 8 yards an attempt. Now it's under 6, or uh, it's 6.8. In fact, if you look a little further, over the last 8 weeks, his yards per attempt is 33rd out of 35, Above only Mitch Trubisky and I'm trying to remember who the 34 was. It's staggering. Everything is underneath. So he is having either the best year of his career keeping this thing above water with no significant weapons besides Edelman, or he is in clear decline and fading. The question is, <laughs> which is it? Because it has to be in somewhat of a decline. I, I, it has to be. Yes. You, you all, can't. He's throwing it more, but they're all underneath as if as if it's their running game now. Like, it's their offense. The is, West Coast offense type thing? Well, not even. It's, it's, it's an even more abbreviated version. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's five yards a play, almost nothing, but it's all passing. It's all underneath, and it's going to be a huge test of the linebackers, and you're going to be screened to death. That's the scary part when you look at this, and, and Jake and I have been talking about this uh, off the air quite a bit, is – the way the Packers and the Vikings beat the Cowboys' defense was screening them to death and almost not even using wide receivers. And then the Vikings, if you will remember that, what was it, 11 consecutive runs on that drive in the second half, all with 21 personnel. And I promise you, Bill Belichick used those two offensive game plans to put together what his offense will try on Sunday. I promise. And so at some point, even without wide receivers besides Edelman, even without tight ends at all. I mean, they got 40-year-old Benjamin Watson playing tight end for them. By the way, he was here in the 2007 game, what I often call the Grego game, the 2007 win at Texas Stadium. Ben Watson was their tight end? Ben Watson was their tight end that day. So, But here's what I wonder about them. So if you're promising me that, that they've looked at that's the way to beat the Cowboys and that they'll do that, is that when they do something different? Like, are the Cowboys going to be so prepared for that? Because I don't know. How, that, I mean, uh, the, the thing is. Didn't you allege that they change their game plan up all the time this year? They do. They on, do. But part of it is based on the intelligence of knowing what another team struggles with. And we were told this morning by Jason Garrett that Leighton Vander Esch is not only out for this game, but he could be out for a while. Really? And, 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 What's wrong with him? Uh, I mean, I think it's the neck still. And so he, the thing that kept him out two games ago? He used the incredibly ominous term, we don't think it's career-threatening. Do you have that by by any chance? Have you been playing that today? I was about to. Do you want to hear it? I just got it in the I don't, system. Don't, yeah. I don't wish to scoop you, but... No, no, no. I don't care about that. Here let's you go. do it. Leighton was having some symptoms yesterday, so we had him uh, checked out, and it was determined that uh, he has an issue... Uh, in his neck, and uh, he's not going to be available for this week's game. And uh, we don't think it's career-threatening. Uh, we think at some point he's going to be back. 
Jeez. It's always weird if somebody throws out, we don't think it's career-threatening. Hey, no one said that. He's 22. Like, why are we you? really don't think it's career-threatening. Like, to say that means that maybe they think it is. They've at least had the conversation. <laughs> like, if so anyone else is out for a week or whatever, your ankle, no one would ever say, we don't think it's career-threatening. Maybe because it's a neck and people freak out when they hear that and you start yeah. thinking about your future, but it's... Even that considered, it's it's quite ominous. I mean, it's a it's a position where damage can be done and things can change quickly. But back to your question, they have Jalen Smith, who we wonder about lateral movement, and they have Sean Lee, who we saw try to tackle Delvin Cook in the open field a, a week or two ago, and it didn't go real well. And we love we love both those guys, but I would attack them all day by making them go east and west and try to deal with screen, double screen, play action. you darn right I'm targeting the Cowboys linebackers. By the way, it's not like a healthy Leighton, or uh, at least what we've seen of Leighton Vanderesh recently, is immune to any of this. I'm not positive his availability changes their game plan a whole lot. And if you're in 21, I mean, you'd think Joe Thomas is going to be out there a lot too, and I think he's been hurt, right? He has been uh, or ill. Ill? Okay. I, th- I think he's missed all week because of illness. But Anthony Brown is out, right? Yeah, yeah now, for the year. For the year. What does that do? Does that even No, I mean, it might mean Jordan Jordan Lewis's next assignment is the most impossible guy in the NFL to cover out of the slot in Edelman. You want I mean, is he actually the best slot guy in the league? Probably not, but the relationship him and Brady have is ridiculous. Like he always gets open. He beats bracket. He beats bracket coverage routinely. So it's. It, I think it's going to be a great game, and I really think the Cowboys can give them as much a challenge as anybody. But if you're saying, "Am I willing to put anything on it?" No, not really. I. I just. It's to I, me. It's the road Cowboys. I think there's the, something about them on the road, and well, you're right. They even Detroit. They they were kind of messing around with Detroit. You know what I mean? I mean, they've messed around with the the Saints without Breeze. They messed around with the Jets. They their road. Their road games do not inspire confidence, and then, you know, you've got this Belichick-Garrett matchup that makes you uh, concerned. Then you got the weather, where I believe it's a 100% chance of rain, as it always seems to be during Patriots games this time of year. And uh, you also know the turnover numbers on how the Patriots are number one in the league at takeaways and number one in the league in differentials. So all this screams to Jason Garrett, give us your most conservative game plan you can come up with. Now, will he fight the instinct to reel everything in and just give it to Zeke between the tackles all day into that brick wall of Danny Shelton, Lawrence Guy, and Adam Butler? I wish I could tell you I had confidence that Jason Garrett's up for this. This is huge for him. But uh, you know how that goes. Bad Radio Talks, Luka Doncic. Friday, join the hard line at the open house for Venture X Dallas Campbell Center. Looking for executive workspace? This is the place. The gold buildings across from North Park on 75, panoramic views of Dallas, podcast and green screen rooms, the virtual office space, all that there with the hard line at the open house for VentureX Dallas Campbell Center this Friday. Today is not Friday. Today is Tuesday, so we think it'll be Leighton Vander Esch Day. I think uh, today's their off day, but... They're doing some kind of charity stuff. So uh, we're just uh, keeping the possibility open 
that he won't be here right at one fifteen, but uh, that's the schedule. So we'll go and say Leighton Vander Esch today at one fifteen. But before LVE, let's talk Mavs because last night, as far as my sports night was concerned, we got Monday Night Football over here and we got Mavs over here. Much more interested in the Mavs game. And even before this unbelievable show that we had put on by Luka Doncic, like just the first couple shots he made, and he had a pretty good first quarter there. <laughs> pretty good. 17? Yeah. Uh, and this stems off of my visit to Cleveland, too, because I got a buddy who works for the Cavs, so we end up talking a lot of, uh, a lot of hoop. Okay. As Grego would say. As bros do. And one of his things was, man, you guys must be talking about Luca every day on the show. That must be all you do is just talk about Luca. I'm like, you know what? It's weird. We don't. But his view from the outside is, how do you get this guy? You got, you've got this. He's like, he's like LeBron. He's like, he was there. Joe was with Cleveland when LeBron was first there. I mean, he's been with the Cavs for 15 years, so he's been there the whole time. But he's like, it's like when we first had LeBron. It's like you got this thing. It's it's unbelievable that 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 this landed in your lap somehow. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, it, it's weird how we've spent more time, like lately, talking about you know KP and whatnot. It's almost like, and I don't know if this is a a, a product of our fast paced world we're in. You know, the headline world, the fast paced society. But it's almost like he's already to a point where, oh, yeah, Luca had triple-double. Like, take it for granted almost. Like, he's so good, and he was from the beginning. Like, we are now used to, Luca's great. What else can we do around him here? Yeah, yeah, I know Luca's awesome, uh, but, but, but should we do that? Should we not every day just be marveling at the fact that we have – one of these very rare things to get in the NBA. Like in the NBA, you want a top, top player. You know, there's a lot of good players. But if you can get one of those special, like, five, then you really will always have a chance. And I think we have this gem. Don't you think we've talked about him more than any athlete who's not a cowboy in the last, since the title? Like any Ranger, Star, or Maverick, don't you think Luca is probably? But I still think we're taking him for granted. Like I do. No, I, no, no. Listen, I think both can be true. When I look I, at the I, game, I, and you think about the game afterwards. You think I think of a lot of other things before I think about Luca's triple double. But I don't think he's flying under the radar. But I also think we're acclimating to his genius. And make no mistake, the dude's a freaking genius. And 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 I'm kind of wondering. It's unreal. I think about our Dirk run because we've been here for that whole thing too. Mm-hmm. And it it's like, you know, you don't know what his ceiling is because he's way more seasoned than Dirk was when he jumped onto the scene. So he was a little more advanced already, uh, you know, because That's he's averaging I... 28 or 29 now, I guess, after last night, you know, in year two at the age of 20 or whatever he is. Does that mean he's going to be averaging forty in five years? You know, like well, let's well, just say this is his ceiling, and he does this for the next ten years. He'll you, be like a top fifteen player of all time, <laughs> top twenty type player of all time. He's like if he stops right now, he was so good last year. 
He was so good last year, and he has made massive improvements through the first dozen or so games of this year in every category. I don't know if people realize this. He won Rookie of the Year last year. He was amazing. He got us all to care about the Mavericks again. He's up over eight points a game, three assists a game. He's up. Uh, so what, nearly are, three rebounds a game. He's up last year. So twenty one last year. Last year twenty one, uh, uh, eight rebounds roughly, and six assists. Now he's twenty nine, eleven rebounds and nine assists. His uh, his field goal percentage is is up remarkably from forty two seven to forty seven seven. His two point uh, is up like 11% from 50 to 61. Like his runners in the lane are so much more money than they were last year, and they were really good last year. Uh, his free throws. About how, I was about to say free throws. His free throws are up 10%. They still make me a little nervous, but uh, you know, there's no question that he will be a, a mid 80s free throw shooter for most of his career once the. Uh, he locks in a little more, you know, perhaps with exhaustion and concentration at times. But uh, but besides uh, shooting percentage there, they had a stat last night. Uh, Jake, you probably know this off the top of your head, but uh, just how often he's getting to the line this year? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's significantly it's, more based on per drive and per minute, that sort of thing. He's getting to the rim at will. It's It's gone from 6.7 to 9.4. So, so like he's up eight points free throws a game. Still not shooting the three all that well. No, his, <laughs> that's his, remarkable. His three, and and I assume it's always going to be, you know, down near, like it's over thirty percent. So it's 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 workable. But but you know, I think league average now is what thirty six, thirty seven, maybe Jake. Yeah. So he's he's at thirty one. He was at thirty three last year. If you uh, if you round things up, but his degree of difficulty the, of all of his threes. Like he's never the spot up guy who's wide open like Dorian Finney Smith or or Kleba. When they shoot their threes, you know, often nobody's within ten feet of them, and and so now that's an important component, especially that Luca gets all these guys wide open threes. But his threes are almost all off the dribble, and and he's had the ball for three to five seconds, and, and so it's <laughs> he really takes the most difficult shots he can he can possibly come up with. And and the one he hit to uh, to seal last night's game against the Spurs was was on one hand amazing, and on the other hand, I feel like we've seen it a dozen times already in his career because he's done this sort of thing so often for us. Which brings me to my second point, and the one I still can't quite fathom: How was he not the clear number one pick in his draft? We'll pick it up there next as we keep talking Luca and the Mavs. Percentage chance that we have a Leighton Vanderash show today at 115? Well, I'm 0 for 1 on when I guarantee it at the century mark. So let's say 99%. You're Jake. Bob just talked earlier how you're Jake and you just do things your way. I did hear him saying that. And yeah, now that you just backed cool. off. Plus or minus 3%, though. Where's that wiggle room? So uh, two non Luca quick hits, and then let's just gush over Luca. One, what was the halftime show last night, Julie? You were there. Uh, yeah, Jake always tells us. acrobatic lady of some sort in a gold leotard. Was it just one lady or did yeah, she have a Yeah, just one lady. She was a solo act. Yeah, I like when there's two because then they can kind of toss each other around in the air. <laughs> it wasn't the lady on the unicycle, was it? 
No, Put she was some respect on standing on her red, red panda, name. not the lady on the unicycle. It's either red panda, rubber boy, or everyone else. Uh-huh. Don't leave quick change out of this. <laughs> Simon says, "Do you guys hate the like bucket boys?" Yes, that's you're, the most you're the only basic one. thing. My buddy Joe hates the bucket. It's such a <laughs> basic 1988 halftime show. I'm like, dude, like, they're only using buckets. You think you're walking I mean, down the street about, in the Riverwalk or something? Yeah, but you were thinking it's like going to an Astros game. <laughs> Whoa, hey, sports fan! You were you were thinking if I had a bucket, Wait, off speed pitch. All I would have, all I would be able to do with this is carry water around, or stand on it if it's the right height. All right. Once, anyway, once uh, the Desperados got a uh, bucket team, then it stopped really being aw. a novelty. Um, it's a troop, by the way. A bucket troop. Yeah. And then my other uh, just quick hit thing, which might be a bigger topic later. Um, but it's interesting to me to see a clear cut Hall of Fame, awesome coach, best coach ever discussion, and Kerr is one of them as well. But just what they do without having anybody who's really talented, right? Like, Pop is a great coach and a Hall of Famer and all that, but they're going to be under five hundred this year. I kind of respect him, though. Uh, I respect the idea that he didn't leave when everyone left. Like, there's a, there's a reason Phil Jackson got out of Chicago and got out of L.A. when he did. Oh, yeah. And it's because I don't want to be around when this thing sucks, and this thing's going to suck, whereas Popovich, he's being compensated very nicely. But the fact that he's like, bro, I'm a coach. This is what I do. What do you think I'm going to do if I stop coaching? And if I leave San Antonio, I'm just going to want another job, and why would I want that? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm where I made this franchise what it is. So It's it's just interesting to me because – you know, the value of a coach and how good is Steve Kerr. And it, it's weird. It's all, you can't really quantify but, it. The value guess. of a coach, too, you have to bake into how those players that are great got great there, right? Does Curry become Curry without Kerr? Does on and Well, on. yeah, he kind of was before Kerr got there, wasn't he? Uh, I mean, to the level that they got. Like, does Tony Parker turn into Tony Parker when he comes over if Pop's not there? I would That's, just, I would just say this. There's a certain level of greatness where you feel like your legacy is so sealed that a 50-loss season doesn't bother you in the slightest. Like that's Don't you think Belichick's probably going to keep coaching the Patriots when Brady leaves? I kind of do. And I kind of think he'll just enjoy. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it's possible, because football's a different animal too. Is it possible for them to ever become a four-win team under Belichick? Yeah. Or can he just figure it out? Well, okay, the four wins a little strong, but I mean, I, I think we've seen this a million times in football that uh, the third third times where a great coach just doesn't have what he needs. But let's look at that a future day because I really I, I like your tease. How in the world was Luka Doncic not the number one pick in this day and age? Right? Yeah, and with at the some point, scouting, and it's not like Europe is a in the Dirk era. You might say, well, there's Maybe half the teams didn't really even know about Dirk, right? The, 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 like now, the everybody's got people over there. We're scouring the globe for uh, the, the tiniest bit of talent. And if he really was going to be this good, how was there a couple of other teams that didn't know it? And and we've talked about this on this show a number of times, and, and I 
love entertaining it again. The one that always gets me is Sacramento. And uh, Jake, uh, I think, explained within the last couple of weeks on the show the reason Vlade Divac. So, you know, I get I get uh, AAU uh, North American guy being cynical about whether Slovenia could give us a superstar, but Vlade knows. Vlade has been to more European tournaments than you've been to Mavs games. I mean, he is... He, he's he's lived over there. That's been his life. So Luca was not a secret. So you know, Jake explained it that uh, Luca was never going to play for Sacramento, and or at least he had intimated uh, that that uh, he wanted to go to a specific uh, situation or two. And maybe twenty years of Dirk legacy made the Mavs seem like a obvious location for European stars. We don't know the the influence of this all, but. Uh, I still, if I'm Sacramento, I'm calling that bluff. Unless I j- legitimately have misevaluated Luka Doncic. Well, the, what about the Suns who hired Luka's coach? What about the Suns is another fantastic one. And 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 you know what about the Hawks? And I think Trey Young is is a is an All Star, but I don't think he's an MVP. And so I'm, I'm starting tell to tell me real- about the Suns. What did they do? Well, they had the top pick overall. No, but they hired Luka's coach. Yeah, that Igor Koskakov. I. Kokoskov? I don't know how to say his name. I had never really had to learn because he made it all of one season as a head coach. But he had coached Luka in Europe on the Slovenian team in 2016 and 17. Yeah. And so when that happened, I thought, well, they're angling for Luka. But then you see guys play in the tournament or whatever, and you start. Well, I mean, and Aiden is Didn't a, even really do much in the tournament. You know how owners go, and I don't. I, I certainly haven't spent time figuring out why the Suns did what they did. But Aiton was a Arizona kid, and this we're we're in Arizona. Are we going to let our our local kid get out of here if he's good enough to be the number one pick too? And so anyway, you have a series of weird events that somehow put the Mavs back in a situation where they can work their way up the board and uh, get to number three and to get Doncic. And and obviously, when you're watching this guy do what he's done, and keep in mind, he's still a month or a month and a half from his 100th game. So that's why you really got to understand that. He's not even close to his 100th game yet, and he's already done so many unbelievable things. Last night was a career-high and a 40-point triple-double, an extremely rare accomplishment. Whether you want to say for a 20-year-old or not, it's an extremely rare accomplishment, period, for a basketball player. Now you say for a 20-year-old who can't buy alcohol for another three months, and it gets even more ridiculous, but you just keep going down the list, and and you say to yourself, all of our cynicism, and boy, there was a ton of it. I mean, on this station, Maybe even in this time slot, although I think we were pretty much always Donnie friendly. But the Donnie Nelson name was beginning to take some serious hits from the populace of, okay, 98 was great when you had Dirk and Nash on the same day. But uh, what have we done exactly since? I'll be darned if this guy didn't haul off and do it again. With one crack at it, too. Like, as someone who's been obsessed with the 76ers for the last seven or eight years, they had one, one, three, and three. And I'm not sure that any of the four guys they came away with you'd rather have over Luka. They won, like, 40 games in three years to try to build, to find one guy like Luka. Oh, yeah. The Mavericks kind of sucked for a couple years and fell bass-ackwards into transcendent. 
Well, yeah, and 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 to say that they takes some credit away from them, though. Yeah, I was going to say knew his name when he was thirteen, and, and and I feel like they really made an effort to go get him. Although they wondered at times, are we too far away, and are we tanking well enough, and uh, you know, what's this going to be? And the fact that this guy is here, the fact that we get to watch this guy. I mean, there's just I don't know that you can overstate any of this. Because it's must see TV, and I say, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago when the season started, but I'm not even sure I believed it. Where it's you almost don't even care who they're playing. Like we have tickets for tomorrow night's game, and of course we got them because my kid wanted to see Golden State live. And yeah, let's let's buy a bunch of tickets before the season starts. And now Golden State shows up, and it's like their D League team. But I don't even care. I don't even have the. It doesn't matter bit. anymore. No, who it, cares it who they're playing? For the last few years, it mattered. Yeah. Like the premium game. You was, needed Giannis you needed to be here to, to say, I'm going to go watch the Mavs play. Now uh, it's a premium game because Luca's on your team. Yes. So Luca's playing. It, dude, it's incredible. I, I, I don't know. It's so great. I, well, I mean, it, to, to me, a Captain Sports Dork, I feel like I need to be getting back into the, man, do I need to keep these games? Like, did What I saw last night, am I going to want that? And, and there were several of those games last year, and, and, and I – I've probably fallen into the habit of quite going that far, but if you're a younger guy and, and you're in you're obsessive compulsive about your sports, man, you might want to be cataloging what you're seeing right now because this feels like you're on the road to greatness. I, I saw Skyler on Twitter today trying to see, uh, you know, he was throwing out the Bill Simmons uh, trade value column that we were always into over the years, and and the premise was simply building your way all the way to the top player in the league. Who would you trade this guy for that guy for, and just basically build a a pyramid of, you know, the most untradeable guy? Like LeBron in his prime would be number one for years and years and years because there's nobody in this league you would flip him for. But the the guy at number two, you would always flip him for LeBron in his prime. That's that's just simply how it works. And you, you I think he would go all the way to fifty with that. And the question of where is Luca already? Because make no mistake, if he was playing poorly right now, like if he looked like Kristaps does right now, which isn't bad, it's just not. It's just far from perfect. We would be making a ton of excuses for him. He's new to the country. You know, he's still. Yeah, it would his, be okay. He's only twenty. It Let's would be fine. Be, you know, we we would be. I was even thinking for last him. night if they lost that game, they had a big lead. Spurs come back. If they ended up losing, I'd have been like. You know, he's young. You, you, he's got to learn. He's learning how to play the NBA game. Like in a few years, hopefully, we'll be saying, well, look how far he's come and he's learned how to play playoff basketball. I mean, or maybe Jake, even do. Uh, Jake said it. If this is as to, good as he ever gets, we are yeah. so blessed. Like, what's the worst thing you can say about him? Say something bad about Luca right now. I've got something. What would you say? What does he need to do better? What don't you like right now? This is a good exercise. I want, thing, I want to see that you can do it. It might first be free throw shooting. Maybe. You don't free like his shoes. Shooting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people have a problem with how much he's in the ref's ear, but he's also getting to the line 10 times a game now, so it seems to be working for him. Uh, I, could, I could stand for a couple more percentage points on the three, but I don't have much to say, man. That's the thing. I, that's the best one I could come up with is – your, your your focus, you know, with thirty seconds to go, 
and you're trying to get a call and the play's back down on the other end, uh, don't lose the plot because you're so mad at the ref for not giving you a call. And that's the that's the harshest thing I can say about him, and he hasn't even played 100 games in the toughest league in the world. And I also think the other thing that you worry about And they put is, so much on him. Yeah, and Rick has even kind of weighed in on that. On We might need to be careful here, but that's yes. probably another topic. But the other thing you, I think sometimes we worry about with European players is how their teammates will receive them and how they'll receive their teammates. Dude, they're a pretty tight group. And whenever he's standing there talking with Skin last night on his career night and he says this is about one thing or one word, Dorian Finney-Smith, I thought that was super cool. I did too. Like I, I think that they are a tight-knit young group, which you don't – That's you can't always take that for granted when a dude comes over for his first 18 months in the States. He's <laughs> Like he's already convinced – the biggest superstars in the NBA, and yes, they are extremely provincial about if you're not from over here, if you didn't go through the same circles, they're going to be skeptical. They're going to look at everything and be like, yeah, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this guy. I mean, even even when they all get together and sign as free agents, you kind of felt like uh, it took a long time for them to be inclusive of Dirk or even speak of Dirk on their same level. Like he was pretty good for a European. This dude's 20 and they already speak of him, about him with, like, reverence. Like, <laughs> you see LeBron hit us with a, I tried to tell y'all last night. I'm like, no, sir. Yeah. No, no. You get out of here. That was that was uh, LeBron and making it about him for a moment. <laughs> but I, I did not miss that. No, it was, it, was a, it was a great game. But more than anything, it was just a pleasure to be witnessing that dude doing that in, like, this city's jersey. He plays about, 41 home games here, Dan. You can watch this guy anytime you want. Is this like how we hate Packer fans? The uh, You had Favre for all that longevity, and then you all of a sudden walk into another guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame? Like, that's not fair. Like, what do Bears fans think of that when looking at the quarterback position? They get to all live that in Chicago, we've through. So what are, uh, I don't know, name your NBA franchise that is like, so you get Dirk. And the second he's gone, now you have this guy. It's not fair. I mean, I'll take it. But, you know, where's our, oh, what do they where's do our decade of wallowing around and looking for uh, the next great superstar? It's, uh, it's, it's fun to view, and it makes you wonder where this thing will go. But uh, they're 8-5. and five. Fun game against San Antonio. Stressful game against San Antonio. But uh, ultimately, at the end, it, it had a... Uh, Majestic finish with a Luca step back three right in your face to uh, seal his 42 and uh, bring that thing home 117 110. Now it's the Joel Klatt Show. Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt. Joel Sponsors? Klatt. Wortham Joel Brothers Klatt. and Blackland Distillery. Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt. Well, that sounds good. Now for the Joel Klatt Joel program. Klatt. What we need is Joel Klatt himself. Joel Klatt. And on the Buyer's Barricade ticket Joel hotline, Klatt. there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Joel Klatt. The great Joel Klatt. Hey, hey. Hello, Mr. Klatt. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. 
I'm doing great. <clears throat> it's actually chilly here. It's like 56 degrees in Southern California. Oh, my goodness. It might be a fleece on the golf course as opposed to just short Sweater sleeves. Sweater weather. Yeah. Sweater weather on the golf course. Exactly. Maybe vest? No, maybe. Keep, keep the arms. Um, Boy, I bet you, you know, Joel I, has vests. I, I was just going to say I'm not a vest guy. But do you have them? We aren't either. We're anti-vest uh, no, over here. I don't. I don't have a vest. I am. I am anti-vest, and I'm also anti-visor. I'm not a visor guy. It's like man, I might have lost in the uh, pool on that one. I might have had you as Wait, visor guy. You, you pegged me as a visor vest guy. Uh, my entire life. You all can right, hang up if you want. All right. Joel. Now, first of all, first of all, let's just be clear. In my defense, next thing, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be like, "Oh, are you one of those, uh, you know, road bikers?" No, it, Mr. Clatt. <laughs> in my defense, single handicap guys are by and large visor vest guy. Those are the guys that I just hit up for money all the time <laughs> on the golf course. Okay, all right. I just uh, they're uh, they're keeping the vest industry uh, robust and uh, successful uh-huh. at this time. All right, let's move uh, on. By, by the way, just yes, real quick, sorry, yes. because this is just gold, right? Like I, I think so. Making people making fun of of people, it's one of the most fun things of all time. Just you know, like people that ride their 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 ten speed around and think they have a right away when the trucks or pedestrians, <laughs> regardless. Like, vest guy on the golf course, if you wear a vest and a visor, I'm fully expecting within the first two and a half, three holes, you're going to mention your fraternity at some point. And I'm just out. Like Spot I'm, on! At that point, I'm like, ugh. Spot on. Boy, you got to, I think we have this uh, now perfectly, perfectly hashed out. You know, I did, after uh, Biker Talk a couple weeks ago, I did get my first uh, email that told me to tell Joel to stick to sports and, <laughs> and things he knows anything about because this hey, guy was people, pissed. I'm telling you, that crowd gets very upset. They get the right away whenever they want and <laughs> however they want it and all times and no one can say anything because I'm on a 10 speed. That's right. I love it. So uh, I want to ask you something about the OU Baylor game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can I start there, or you want to start Dude, somewhere else? Start anywhere you want, man. We're not going to have rules. So I'm watching the game, and I'm and immediately I'm like, I got to ask Joel about this if I'm crazy, and maybe this has since been a been talked about. I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of stuff on college football this week. So they're tied at 31, and OU is set to kick a field goal. In fact, I think it might be a 30 yard field goal. So uh, it seems like Lincoln Riley iced his own kicker. They called a timeout right before the snap. His kicker uh, went through the motions and uh, kicked the field goal. Then they went ahead, lined up, did it again, and he kicked the field goal, and that ended up winning the game, right? Okay. Okay. But it seemed to me like well, Lincoln Riley would not ice his own kicker. There was no reason to do that. I surmise that this was a genius move by Lincoln Riley – with his young kicker to say, okay, we're going to call a timeout. You guys go ahead and snap it. I want you to just get a practice kick like you do on the sideline into the net, but now you're going to be on the exact spot on the field with the exact situation. You know, just get the feel. Maybe you can make some adjustments after if you need, if you think there are adjustments that need, but so now you really feel the angle and all that kind of stuff, and uh, you're going to get a practice kick. We're going to give you one out here. 
But uh, we're going to call timeout, right? Like the kicker knew. Everybody knew it was going to be a timeout called, but continue to snap it. In fact, I think the cameras then showed a uh, showed Matt Rule on the sideline saying, Why, why'd you let them kick that or something like that? Yeah. Uh, um, what do you know about I, this? Okay, and have you so, ever you okay, ever so been a part of something? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I have not been a part of anything like that. And full disclosure, I was on the second end of a connection and didn't actually see it. So I had to go back and watch it. And that was one of my first thoughts. So I didn't see it real time. Uh, I had some people ask me about it uh, on on social media. So I went back and, and I watched it. And with that in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what they what they did. If I would have seen it just for the first time, real time, I don't think I would have done that. Now, I don't um, thought that way. I just it's a bit conspiracy theory, but I don't put it I don't put it beyond Lincoln Riley because I got to tell you, he does think of everything. When I sit and talk with him about football, about practices, about philosophy, he thinks about way more out of out of the box things than you would. Uh, than you would expect. And I think that's due to the fact that he, he was brought up in part by Mike Leach, who thinks of wild things like only running go routes for an entire practice, whether it's one-on-ones, routes on air, seven-on-seven, team period, like that's all they're going to run is go routes. And his theory is like, well, we're going to be good at running go routes. We're going to run them against anything in the game. Might as well run them against anything in practice. Um, and so I, I would answer that by saying I, I don't put it past them, and if that is the strategy and that's what the kicker is understanding is going to happen, I think that it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think it is too. And it, it would have become a story had he missed the kick. Then it yeah, would have been like, exactly. why did you ice your own kicker? What, what happened? Why were they doing it? But it, it turned out to not be a story. But I, I, I was just trying to think in my head, why in the world would he do that? There seemed to be no reason to do it, but that's the only one I could come up with. Okay. Yeah, other than the, the kicker knows, and we're going to go get a practice. Yeah. That's interesting. Let's talk Tua. Because yeah. the number one pick in the draft for most of the year was the uh, the lefty from Alabama who is now injured and perhaps severely injured. And rather than giving you a question, I just want to say Tua and see what Joel Klatt has to say back. Okay, so let's start with like how, how devastating and heartbroken I was when I, when I heard the news, saw the injury. It's terrible. It's terrible. This, I immediately thought, forgive me, but I'm just going to tell you what I immediately thought. I thought to myself, what a travesty he hasn't been able to monetize his own name, image, and likeness during this time. Because let's say he never gets back to 100% and can't necessarily monetize his skill, then that will mean he is like countless others that were unable to monetize his name, image, and likeness when his name, image, and likeness was at its highest value during his life. Now, having, having said that, I then immediately thought to myself, let's, let's hope that this injury is not as severe as other hip injuries. I will tell you this. From being around the sport, knowing the guys that have dealt with hip injuries, unless you're talking about a spinal cord or a head injury, you know, something like neck, head, concussion, spinal cord, I think that the next in line for severity and, and risk is hip. Like, I, I would say that from a joint perspective, again, non-spinal cord or head, it's the worst injury you can possibly have on the football field. Um, I mean, the guy's hip fractured, guys, essentially. And knowing what we know about the vascular nature of the hip and how it's affected in things like a dislocation or a break, 
Um, I'm really worried for him in the near future. And the thing about it is everyone's saying like, well, he's expected to, to recover fully. That's, that's all well and good. You don't know the extent of the vascular uh, damage in the hip until weeks later. So I, candidly, I just, I don't believe people that say like, oh, it's going to be fine. I feel like that's coming from people that are clearly on his side, which that's the message that they should give. So I'm really worried about his future in the sport. Um, that being said, then let's say he does get healthy and cleared and everything from a, a vascular nature is fine in the hip. This may be, and I got to hand it to Colin Coward because he said this before I said it. <clears throat> this may be a touch of a blessing in disguise because let's be honest. It's not advantageous to be the number one pick in the draft as a quarterback because you go to an atrocious team. It's much more advantageous to get selected in the teens or 12th. Like, let's say Carolina selects him at 12 or, you know, San Diego at 11, 12, 13. Isn't that such a better position than Cincinnati? Like, of course it is. Yeah. So in the long run, this may work out for him if he's healthy. But in the short term, I'm really worried about his health. I'm very heartbroken about the entire thing. And, and the last thing I would say is there's going to be a lot of conversation about should he have been in the game, should he not have been, have been in the game. It was the first half. It's his discretion at that point. If it's the second half, I'm leading the charge on Saban's office saying, what in the world are you doing? But the fact that it's the first half, you started him anyways. Uh, once he started, you basically have to play a half. So uh, from that standpoint, I don't buy into the this is Saban's fault. He should have pulled him. Okay. Uh, then, then that one is asked and answered. Uh, the other one is, should he be in this year's draft or is there any, well, I would. Yeah. I, I, I guess even asking the question, the alternative is uh, he should go back to Alabama and play for free again and risk injury again. And that sounds like a really dumb idea given what we just went through. That's right. And he's had the two ankle injuries, right. you know, so it's not like this is just like the one freak injury. It feels like more of a risk to come back to college. It feels like the guy, you know, let me, let me try to make an analogy and this will probably be a bad analogy. You guys been to Vegas. We've all been to Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, those like you take, you get a little heater at the blackjack table and you're up, you know, I don't know how much you play. Maybe it's, you know, a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars. I don't know you, but you get up, right. Mm-hmm. And you got all those chips sitting there. And then you take like that one like devastating blow, like you you split them, you know, you you do all this stuff, and like you lose a big hand. And it feels like you know you should just get up, take your chips, and walk away, still yeah. up. But in the back of your mind, you're like, no, I'm gonna make it back up. Like I'm gonna build that stack back up. Him coming back to school feels like sitting at a blackjack table when the number count in the in the deck is not in his favor and he's trying to win back the money that he just lost on one bad hand. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. This is Joe Klatt, who will be uh, at Ohio State again, uh, proving yet again he needs an apartment in Columbus, uh, perhaps. <laughs> just going to throw that out there. So so I see there t- you guys are taking the entire operation which uh, includes the uh, pre and half and uh, the Urban Meyer get together. And, and that's why I just wanted to ask you, is it weird being with Urban Meyer when he's back there or is everything honky dory? Uh, what, what's that experience like between him and um, Columbus? 
very, very good. I mean, they, they still absolutely love him. And part of it is like, it's not like they're eight and four and, and the whole fan base is like, why'd you leave? Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, this was a very graceful exit to a point where the cupboard was completely full. He gave it to a guy who's more than capable uh, in Ryan day. And then he and Ryan day both sat down and, and in tandem to some degree, uh, made decisions about the defensive staff moving forward. You know, this is very similar to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley in one respect and dissimilar in another. Lincoln got the job after spring football, didn't have to change an assistant and went on and, and you know, had his first season at OU. Ryan got the job right after the Rose Bowl, and he had to change the defensive staff based on the way that they played defense that previous season last year. Um, and so he went out and hired Jeff Halfley, a guy he had coached with at the 49ers, brought him in from the NFL, got Greg Madison from Michigan, got Al Washington from Michigan. So this team has more of the fingerprint of Ryan Day on it than maybe even the first version of OU under Lincoln Riley. Um, and, and to that extent, when you you know go back to Columbus with Urban, it is like all rose petals. You know what I mean? It's like he's the conquering hero that also left the empire in great shape. <laughs> so um, they love him. So uh, with regards to the rankings and the final four and how we're going to sort this out, I feel like the Tua injury does have a great effect on that, uh, even though you were already suggesting that Alabama would have a really hard time surviving the home loss to LSU in the first place in the, in the old second, uh, the second SEC team. So if we are under the premise that Ohio State, Clemson, and most likely LSU are in, uh, provided derailments don't happen, which they absolutely could, then we're having a discussion between Oregon, Alabama. Is that is that the discussion? Or, oh, you? I, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Did, Oklahoma gets. I'm sorry. Did I say Alabama? I meant discussion as well. I meant Oklahoma. Uh, so Oregon, um, Oklahoma, or a second wrong. SEC team. Yeah, and, and, and I think that you can throw Utah. It's kind of an Oregon or Utah yes. at, that point, at that moment. Let me just give you guys – let me give you guys what I feel like are the best arguments for and against each of those, okay. if you don't mind. So Please. let me start with, with – I'm going to start with OU. If they were to win out, OU could pound their chest and say, hey, of those teams that we're being debated against, we have the strongest resume. If they were to win out – and let's say Oak State beats West Virginia, and let's say Iowa State beats both Kansas schools, then in all likelihood, Oklahoma will have had four wins against teams that will be ranked at that point, you know, so the the quote-unquote currently ranked teams. That's going to be more than any of the others. If Oregon wins out, they're at most going to have two, and that's only if USC can beat UCLA this Saturday. Utah still doesn't have a ranked win on their resume at all, so their first and only would be against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. And Alabama does not have a win against a ranked uh, opponent to to date. And so if they were to beat Auburn, they would have one ranked win. At that point, guys, I would argue that Oklahoma has the strongest resume from a who-did-you-beat standpoint. Here's where they'll struggle is that the same – uh, problem on their team persists from previous years in which they could not get the job done, which was the fact that in their losses, in their struggles, what happens, their defense 
struggles. You know, the 40-plus points in back-to-back games, one of them being a loss. And I think I told you about this last week. I don't know why Matt Campbell didn't go for the extra point uh, two weeks ago in Norman because they were the better team in the fourth quarter. If they go to overtime, Iowa State beats Oklahoma. They were the better team for three or four straight possessions at the end of the game. I have no idea why in the world Matt Campbell went for two and gave Oklahoma a coin flip in which they won on that one last play. So anyways, there's your Oklahoma version. Then you go to the other ones. Oregon would have a really strong argument, guys, because at that point they would have a 12-game win streak and they'd be the first Power 5 team in history to go 10-0 and through a league year, nine in the regular season, one in the conference championship game. The negative for them is obviously the loss to Auburn as it compares to what Alabama were to do to Auburn. And then from the Alabama perspective, let me just say this. The best team they've played, they lost to at home. Their defense is not quite the same. Their run game is not quite the same. Their best aspect of their team is their offense and their offense throwing the football specifically. And now the best part of that passing game is gone. I don't understand how the committee will not view Alabama in a much different light once they have a game under their belt with Mac Jones as the quarterback. I I just really don't. Um, This is a team, by the way, that will have the lowest number of Power 5 opponents of any of the teams being debated. They will have at most played three consecutive weeks without a group of five, FCS, or bye. So that means that their their longest stretch against Power 5 opponents on consecutive weeks will be three in the entire season. That's the fewest in the entire country tied with Clemson. They've had three teams that they played off of buys, and yet two of those, they also had a buy. Their schedule makeup just doesn't make sense to me to put them in. Last thing I would say, I think that the path of least resistance is what ultimately the committee does. The path of least resistance, in my mind, is going to be Oregon if they win out because it's going to be very easy to just basically explain away Alabama and explain away Oklahoma when people around the country may have OU Alabama fatigue, Oregon could be a nice little path of least resistance as a champ, 12 straight wins, 10 and 0 in Pac-12 play. Interesting. Very nice. We will be looking for you at the shoe Saturday at 11 with Gus. Love it. Can't wait. Thanks, <laughs> hey, fellas. Thank hey, you, thank Joel. you, Joel. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold because Jake has some secret stuff to talk to you about off the air. Ooh, double secret probation. <laughs> Hit the theme. Thanks, okay. Joel. Yeah, we'll see you. He's got a bone to pick Joel with you about that class. bike riding stuff. Joel <laughs> All right. That's, there, uh, there goes Joel and Jake. There he is. Bad Radio Talks with Mark Stein. Texas Cable News probably once upon a time on the Buyer's Barricade ticket hotline. It is the one and only, the great Mark Stein. Hi, Mark. Gentlemen, how are you? <laughs> How's it going, man? This is great. I've, uh, I'm excited to have you on our airwaves. And uh, just, just tell me you do not. Just please, I hope you don't have any tape of me on Texas cable news because I'm sure that's not, that's not pretty. I hope all that tape was burned. It might be, but let me just say, you've I, been on the TXCN Bob Sturm show. I feel like I got in on Mark Stein at the at the ground floor very early in his rise. Just like when you bought the iPod stock. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. around the same year too. Probably the first iPod and Mark Stein. On Texas cable news, like uh, circa '01, maybe 2000. So, so Mark, I feel like we need you for context of what we are seeing. Uh, Luka Doncic has been mind blowing in many, many ways, and uh, what we saw Monday might have been uh, the best 
But the funny thing is, you could actually debate what his best performance has been so far. What what's going through your mind as you're watching this, and is it kind of a another European superstar that just so happened to fall on us in Dallas? Well, the good fortune is is the is the number one thing. I mean, you know, pinching myself is is probably too strong a word, and you're not supposed to show any of those kind of emotions on press row anyway. But I mean, it. I think of it a lot that. I mean, I was incredibly fortunate to be able to cover Dirk for 21 years and the close range that he allowed me to cover him from even before he got to this city. And the guy lasted 21 years, and that's two more than Reggie Miller. Three more than Reggie Miller, two more than Stockton. It's a long, long time. And then after all that, this dude from another planet shows up, and I don't have the context because – we, we've never seen this. Now, can he keep it up? Is he going to average 30, 11, and 9 for the season? That, that might be a stretch too far, but let's. what if he does? I mean, there, there is, for a 20-year-old from a foreign land, there is, there is no context. And I think if Dirk talks to you guys in the near future, I think he would tell you the same thing. We, we've never seen anything like this guy. So what's the most impressive, <clears throat> like the other day he did the uh... – the youngest player, except for LeBron, to have a 40-point triple-double. But last year, I remember things like this leaking out all year long. It was, uh, oh, now he's the first player since... It was a lot, a lot of times it was the first guy since LeBron to be this young and do this. Like, uh, what is... Do you have any stat that's jumped out at you as this is the most impressive thing to me? I'm really not paying attention to the stats, especially 13 games in because it's just too soon. It's really... It's just... It's the presence. It's the confidence. I mean, it's just the confidence. I mean, I, I think I wrote two weeks ago. I hope I'm allowed to say this word on the radio. He's the most cocksure 20-year-old from import we've ever seen in the NBA. Yeah, he's cocky. Uh, you could say that. Um, the dude is uh, – he's seeing the game. It, it's, it's a little bit like – I, you know, I was in. I grew up in Southern California mostly, and when Gretzky first got to the Kings, I felt like he was two, three steps ahead of the game, and they didn't have enough guys who could play on his wavelength. I mean, that's that. It's all. It's a little bit like that. I mean, he is, he is two steps ahead. He sees everyone on the floor at all times, whether he's driving, turning a corner, pick and roll in the air. I mean, how many times he he will jump. And be in the air and spot a guy on the other side of the floor and hit him with a perfect pass. I mean, just those are the things to me that that are that really stand out more than the numbers. Uh, this is Mark Stein with us from the New York Times, and uh, but you live full time here, right? I do. Internet, I do. It's great. Uh, the great the way the world can let you do that. Um, one thing I th- I think I heard you say this with Bill Simmons uh, regarding stats, though, and tell me if I got this right, that he's getting LeBron-like numbers at the same age, but he's playing a significant amount of less minutes. I mean, he's only averaging thirty five minutes, which is great. I'm you know if the math can keep him to that, they would want to. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure as young as he is, I'm sure in the fourth quarter that they want to throw him back in sooner. I mean, they try to give him a good chunk of the the start of the fourth quarter off. And 
I think in this load management time, everybody is conscious of that, that you don't want to just say, hey, he's 20, let's play him 40 minutes. I mean, they are trying to cap it in the 35 range and, and be smart about it because he, the dude take, has taken on an enormous load. I mean, he is 100% the point guard, the facilitator. I mean, the guy has the ball in his hands a ton. And so I think it is smart for the Mavs to try to not not pay attention. You know, we heard David Fisdale earlier this year. He played R.J. Barrett in the 40 minutes and, and said, oh, he's a kid. You guys are crazy to even bring this up. No, I mean, we're not crazy to bring this up. I mean, that's that's the big difference with today's generation. They place so much more on the way to the NBA that – I think teams have to be cognizant of that and keep that in their mind that, that you can't you can't just say oh he's twenty he can do anything. And, and is it true was LeBron? I'm trying to look it up real quick, but he was playing. Yeah, so when he was the same age, he was playing 42 minutes a game. So you're putting up the right. identical and, stats, but seven minutes less in a game. And you would have and you because you know I mean if you had LeBron at that time, you would have thought this guy's indestructible. And I'm sure I mean Luca is so big and strong. I mean you saw this the other night against. San Antonio. That's one of the huge areas that, that's a difference for him. He's really bullying guys down there now when he gets inside. I mean, he, he just every floater looks like it's going in. He just is so he he his finishing around the rim is is has improved because he just he 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 knows how to use his body and his strength better already after just one year. This is um, Mark Stein. Uh, delighted to have him on our airwaves and uh, so. so... I, I, Jake was telling me that uh, Donnie Nelson described Luca early on in the process as a six-eight version of Steve Nash, and the the way I see that vision and the floaters and so forth, I, I don't know that enough people are saying that. But when you come up with a comp, I actually do see a ton of Steve Nash here. Do you? Yeah, you know, I had I had a another. Another in the build-up to the draft, I had another high-ranking Mavs person basically make the same comparison. So I think that's kind of the comp that they settled on as an organization, and and I agree with it. And I think one of the reasons, if you have the patience to listen to it all, why Simmons and I went on and on with him, went on and on about Luca for as long as we did, is because there's Larry Bird in there too. I mean that. You know, he's not an exact comp to Nash. He's not not an exact comp to Bird. He's obviously not an exact comp to LeBron. But there are there are elements of all those guys in his game, which is again amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. It, okay. So so that's the Nash question. I, I think the Dirk question I would ask uh, that that relates to him is when he showed up here. I, I realize we had the Nike Summit. We had some international, uh, you know, looks, but nothing like Luca. Uh, when Giannis showed up, we were talking about this in the meeting. When Giannis showed up from Europe, uh, the footage was extremely debatable on on what would translate. The thing about Luca that is hard for me to conceive is Real Madrid games are not hard to find. They are uh, they are streamed. They are just about everywhere, and in the basketball world, between that. And Eurobasket, where he actually played head to head against Chris Stops in a famous game, uh, and just just all of that goes into it. I don't get how NBA teams didn't unanimously feel like he was number one overall, especially in the case of Phoenix and Sacramento, who had European source 
in their front office or on their inner organization that knew about him. So uh, that befuddles me, uh, Mark. That's that's what I can't get past here. No, you're totally right. They they are all guilty of diminishing what realistically is the second highest level of team basketball in the world. I mean, Dirk. When Dirk came here, he was he 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 had played half a season of top flight German basketball. He had not even played one full season in a league that was nowhere near the European elite at the time. Giannis came from a lower division team in Greece. Those guys played at a level that was not close to what Luca played. And I think when Porzingis started so well, one of his big advantages, because of course, when he did so well at the beginning, there were a lot of dirt comparisons right away. Porzingis played in Spain at a much higher level before he played in the NBA. And that obviously helped him settle in much faster. But yeah, Luca, I mean, the G league is probably the second most athletic league in the world, but yes, I mean, when, when Luca at 18 is the best player in the Euro league. And when he's, co-leading his little country to the Eurobasket title. It's him and Goran Dragic and a bunch of guys you've never heard of, and they win Eurobasket. Why that didn't impress NBA people more is, is a mystery, and if this, if this keeps up, there will be there will be significant regret in Phoenix and Sacramento and, and Atlanta. So I, I did hear you talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is just the overall patience to let this thing grow at a reasonable level. I remember being a little bit annoyed, if not a lot a bit annoyed, that the Mavericks moved so many pieces in the summer to free up another spot and then ended up uh, kind of empty and kind of uh, you know just giving the money to Chris Stops or whatever and, and, and you know the cap space and and then uh, there are some early frustrations losing to the Knicks twice, and how does this all fit together, and what's the deal with Kristaps? Could you could you talk us through a, a a reasonable view of letting this thing breathe and letting it grow before feeling like you have to have the full roster put together? Well, let's face it. I, I don't think being unreasonable is an exclusively Dallas thing. I mean, you guys – to a five days a week radio show, so you know that better than me. I mean, nobody's reasonable. I mean, look at San Antonio Spurs' Twitter is a mess right now. They've only made the playoffs 22 years in a row. And people are just beside them. So, I mean, like, so nobody's reasonable. But I think the Mavs actually, it was a blessing. In, they wanted Kemba Walker badly, and I think it's a blessing in disguise that Boston lost Horford, unexpectedly came into all this cap space, and Kemba went to Boston because even though the Celtics are off to a terrific start and everybody in Boston loves Kemba and the impact he's had there, he needs the ball too much. He was, to me, he was not the right fit next to Luka. And so for me, and look, I, I, have, I go to the NBA Finals every year no matter what. I, I, it doesn't matter to me <laughs> whether, the, whether the Mavs make the playoffs or not. So it's easier for me to be – reasonable about it but to me reasonable is you need to get Luca and Porzingis to where you know exactly what their partnership looks like and Porzingis is starting is just starting a comeback from 20 months off and the Mavs routinely say have we ever they ask the question all the time or, or basically they stated as fact have we ever seen a player miss that long after an ACL tear and come back it's a long time to be off 
on top of that, they're asking him to do things he's never done before and play as a floor spacer and not get, you know, zillions of post-ups every game. So I really think they think they can make the playoffs as is. I think they are right. They can make the playoffs. This season, the goal should be make the playoffs, but more importantly, get Luca and Porzingis in a good flow so you know exactly how they fit and then work on getting the third piece. I mean, it was all this – they lost to the Knicks the first time. It's like, well, who's going to be the third guy? I mean, do they need that third guy now? But, again, it's not – you know, I am I – am, I am a neutral. There, I mean, sports fans aren't neutral. No Mavs fan wants to hear that. Mavs fans want, you know, they've had three seasons out of the playoffs. They want it now. So you, I can understand it. But okay, I we're agree. just accustomed to titles around here. <laughs> well, I, 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 I agree with you all your advice, but I'm still going to go in the other direction. Like I didn't hear a thing you just said and say, in your mind, what are the characteristics of what that third piece should be to fit? Someone who can really shoot it and, and someone who plays, a, a, you know, a two-way, a, a really good two-way player would be great. Uh, you know, someone like, just, just hypothetically, I can't get him, but just hypothetically speaking, like a Chris Middleton type, a guy who can defend but make threes, I think that would be ideal. I mean, if you can find a two-guard who can really defend and take some of that pressure off Luca? Because you know you're never going to be able to ask Luca to be even if Luca had the aptitude for it. You can't ask the guy to run a team for 35 plus minutes and be the focal point of your perimeter defense. It's just not feasible for for a guy to take on that much. So someone who could you know a three and D guy who can play both ways but do it at a really elite level. Uh, one more thing from me, for Mark Stein of the New York Times. So uh, speaking of Perzingis and, and their relationship on the floor and all that kind of stuff, is there any worry? Because here's a guy that has been uh, you know, told for quite a few years now, that, um, or maybe just a few years, he's the guy. We're building everything around you. You're a franchise player, and uh, the future of our, our team re- revolves around you, and we're going to build around you. Well, now they get... He gets traded here, and maybe for the first time in his life, he's kind of thought of as uh, the next, you know, the second guy, or uh, Robin, right, or Batman, or Batman to Superman. Like, do you think there could be a potential problem with uh, the alpha male thing? I don't think they're worried about it. Are you know, is there unease, concern that you know he's been so up and down to start? Yes, obviously they would have loved for it to be, you know in a better flow than it is. But look, I think the reality is, and, you know, I, I just had a few minutes with, with Porzingis the other day and asked him, and, I, and I, look, he sees it. He, he's been a highly touted European import, and he remembers where he was at 20. And, you know, even he says, Luca has stuff you're just born with. You can't learn it. He's got something special. So I think Porzingis sees it. He just got his money. He's got five years and $160 million. You know, I think over time that it's not all naturally going to sort itself out. And they will, be, they will be an excellent duo together. But, you know, everybody wanted to say, oh, it's Dirk and Nash. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not really Dirk and Nash because, you know, Luca has the ball more and he's going to be, it looks like, the, the more dominant force, whereas Nash was trying to tee up Dirk at all times. Yeah. 
Amazing. Great stuff, Mark. Thanks so much for your time. Let's do it again sometime soon. All right, guys. See you, man. That is Mark Stein of the New York Times. Now it's the Tyler Sagan Show. Sponsors. Classic BMW. On the Buyers Barricade Ticket Hotline, our old friend, Tyler Sagan. Number 91. Fresh off the ice. They don't even let you... They don't even let you guys have a minute before it's back to the ice. You 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 win another big game last night. You're back on the ice. What time this morning? Ten ten a.m. nine eleven. What time? No, eleven thirty. Man, we just go we just go hard. That's what we do in the well, National Hockey League. It's funny though. Sometimes you do want to be on the ice though. Every day? No, I mean like after not last night, but the game before. We didn't have a scheduled day off, and we got a day off, and that was nice because everyone was tired, and it was the first game back um, from that long road trip, so the next day was nice to have uh, it off, and obviously we earned it, winning 6-1, and today was a day where, like me personally, I wanted to get on the ice just to work on my shot. Obviously, missing that empty net, I had to do some back end for this. <laughs> Man, you've had an eventful little run here, and and uh, everyone's enjoying themselves. Things are going much much better, and uh, we all are very happy about that. The arena was rocking last night, and uh, just just overall, uh, the, the the sun's a little brighter, and uh, the sky's a little bluer, and isn't winning fun? Winning fun. It's uh, it's obviously great, and it's we're kind of at the place where we expected to be i don't think you expect to really ever go i don't know what we are now 11 one one or 12 one one but you expect to be one of the top teams and that's how we felt this year so obviously a one seven one start definitely sucked but um blessing the skies in a way because it, it fixed our game and um now consistency is an important thing okay so so the the question is did you guys change anything stylistically or I mean what what causes such a turnaround I guess is what I'm asking and, and I know that's probably a difficult thing to answer because it's probably a lot of things right yeah it's a lot of things well it's a lot of things and it's not um, I think for starters we changed up our neutral zone a little bit would be number one I think number two is the puck started going in the net for a lot of players including myself and Maybe number three is, you know, we had some new faces again this year. And obviously, it's not an excuse to go 1-7-1, but there's a comfort level, especially with how we play. You know, every night you're usually playing with someone new. It's the style, and um, there's chemistry to be built, and now we uh, now we have that. What do you mean when you say we changed up the neutral zone a little bit? Uh, we just we're, – we're more playing a bit more aggressive than we did early on. Um, you know, early on we sat back a little bit and played super defensive, and – 
really all we talked about was defense, and we, we changed that message a little bit. Obviously, our, our identity is defense first, but um, we start t- stopped talking about it to an extreme like we were early on, and we, we started playing a little bit more aggressive in a 2-1-2, more than a 1-2-2 throughout the neutral zone and ozone, and um, it made us more on top of pucks and made us have more possession in the offensive zone, and that's why you're seeing uh, you know, more goals in games now. Yeah, it's weird, you know, um, for, as a viewer and as somebody who had very few NHL games under my belt, I, 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 I felt like we're seeing a, a more aggressive style, but, uh, but, but sometimes you can confuse that with the puck just going in more often. So, you know, what, if one feeds the other, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's both. It's both. That's what I was saying. You know, yeah. pucks went in and we changed our style. You know, both uh, have gone hand in hand. Yeah. Hey, uh, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to catch up on, but uh, you can't help but stay away from the reviews right now a little bit, right? You're, uh, you've been you've been caught up in with the uh, with the review monster a few times here recently, and uh, they both had uh, funny, happy endings and so forth, but uh, kind of close there, big man. Yeah, um, we had uh, we had a set play on the faceoff, just that I would blow out of the zone. And we'd hard rimming off the the wall, and I I, I don't think Dickie uh, heard that. I think he was somewhere else, maybe when Monty was saying it, and he actually grabbed the puck. So I kind of stopped at the blue line, and then once I got the puck, I didn't even think of the offside. The first thing that came to my head was Minnesota last year having an empty net, <laughs> and I'm serious. That was the was in my head. I was like, I'm getting the puck, and I'm skating it right down to the goal line if I have to, to make sure it goes in. <laughs> Well, that was the last time I saw really an empty net opportunity. So um, I didn't think of the outside, and you know, luckily it, it worked out. Like by one inch. Mm-hmm. Did you see the replay on that? I saw the replay, but on our little uh, TV behind the bench, it was hard to really tell if I lifted my blade off or not. Um, but yeah, happy account. It's, a, it's Ra- a bad rule. Razor, yeah, I was going to say Razor was talking about on the broadcast that they want to. The league as a whole really needs to change that because it's not the spirit of. The, the offsides. I've been saying this for years. Change it. Like, yeah, so your blade has to be touching the uh, the ice, not just your body part over the right. line? Well, your blade does, and the puck has to be completely out of the blue, which was hard to tell in that instance. The puck was kind of still in the blue, and my blade was – it was hard to tell my blade was fully on the ice at that same moment, which is why it took a little bit in review. But I know the GMs just had uh, their annual meetings, and that was one thing they were addressing was offsides. and going to continue in the next meeting, so I, I would be surprised if next year there is some sort of change to the rule. They, they need to do like every other sport seems to if, if if there's something weird about it, they they give the tie to the offense. Like, we want more offense. Yeah. So You always want more goals, but then again, I mean last year and this year, goals are going up in the NHL, so everyone's uh, still happy. Let's talk about Jamie Benn. Uh, I know you guys are uh, well. You're you're joined together at the hip at times uh, with when when people talk about uh, the stars. That's uh, that that's usually positive and great. And the reason you want to see the stars when they come through your town is Ben and Sagan, Ben and Sagan. And then when the team uh, needs a bump, they talk about Ben and Sagan. Look, you guys are always together. Uh, Big man uh, got to one goal through 20 games, and everybody was a little scared about the captain and where he was and how he was playing. And and, and I realize that uh, the outside noise should probably be ignored, but 
this last week has really seemed to get him going, and uh, he has to be feeling way, way better now. And that shift last night was just – that was awesome. That was magical. Yeah, I think the thing with Jamie is he has so much pride. Um, you know, not only being a good player, but being the leader and our captain. And, um, you know, Dallas really is his home. He's been here since day one in the National Hockey League. And because of that pride, sometimes it gets him maybe a little distracted and he starts thinking he has to do too many too many things and he wants to take care of everybody. And I know from experience, if you start worrying about your alignment too much or certain guys too much, you lose your own game. And I think he... He's just found his legs again. He's found his competitiveness again. And, I mean, when he gets the puck and he's moving, he's a whole different player than when he gets the puck and he kind of glides and makes a decision. He's not thinking anymore. He's going in and hitting guys. And I said to him on the bench after that goal, I said that was a perfect description of kind of the start of the year right now, um, you know, topped off better. You know, he had, a, had that turnover. It went back to our end. He absolutely killed that guy and then walked in and got the game winner. I mean, he, he is that talented of a player where – he can take a game over in one shift and, you know, obviously happy to have him on our team. And you would you would certainly accept him running over anybody, but Shifley is such a problem and uh, such a symbolic leader of that team. Uh, that even added to it a little bit. I, I feel like, I don't know, yeah. it just it's such a huge moment in the game as Winnipeg tied that up that uh, that that's, that's the type of thing we'll be talking about uh, the entire season, I bet. Well, I mean, it's momentum shifts, right, in games. And, you know, the teams target our guys and, you know, we're not, we're obviously going to admit that, you know, we go after good players and keep it in the rules. You, if you have a chance to finish check on a guy like Shifley, you do. Um, if you look at our games against Vancouver, both games, you know, everyone's all over that Pedersen and that Besser. And, you know, you make guys uncomfortable and not want to play sometimes. So, you know, a lot of times that's the goal, especially with younger players. Uh, Jamie Ben also worked with a figure skating coach in the off season. Maybe that's helped yeah. him out here. Could be. Yeah. Have, I, I met him. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, for real? I, I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna lead to. Have you ever done anything like that? I know that was a big season, uh, big story when the season first came out. Um, no, I haven't. Um, I, I've always kind of been a a good skater and never really thought too much about it. Since I don't know, I was really young. I could always just skate, even though I was little. And this year, when I got back, I, I met Jamie's figure skating coach, and they went on earlier to do some drills. So I went on as well. And funny enough, he started critiquing all my skating skills and basically didn't say I sucked, but there's a lot of things, uh, everything I was doing wrong. So I did it for about 20 minutes and I went to the other end and I said, oh, that's it for me. <laughs> so, so that was it. I was like, I'm just going to stick with what I've done so far with my legs and look at that down the line. So Bob mentioned how like you guys get mentioned together a lot. Um, so what's it like when Monty does call you out publicly? I think since we've talked last, uh, Monty said, yeah, he thinks you, you and or Ben and Sagan got to be better. And then he publicly apologized about saying that, like the next day. Yeah, um, yeah. As far as the public apology, um, Jamie and I met with him before that, and we both have said the same thing. You know, we didn't really need that need an apology. Um, but you know, our coach is thinking it's just that you you win and lose as a team, and we're a very team culture here in Dallas, especially since Monty's been here. It's all about the team and not so much individuals. But I mean, we we knew the message. Jamie and I both knew that we had a lot more that we wanted to do. We hadn't been playing our best and hadn't had our our best starts. Our best start. So um, we knew it was on us. We didn't really need that message to go out, but it happened. And the coach has every right to do that. That's his job, and um, we moved on pretty quickly. And 
got saw some good results uh, a few days later, and then uh, really since then. You're a big boy. You can take. You've had uh, higher higher people than him call you out publicly. Yeah, it's kind of innocent, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, they're having a giveaway at a Stars game on Monday. You yeah. know what they're giving away? They're giving away the Tyler Sagan tattoo sleeve. <laughs> are you yeah. are you uh, fired up about this or lukewarm? Uh, How do you yeah, feel? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. I didn't really fully know what was going on. It was uh, we were in training camp and I had one photo shoot, and at the end of it, they said we take some pictures of your arms. We're gonna do something later in the season, and I said okay, sure. And then I found out it was a tattoo night, so uh, I'm interested to see how they how they turn out, and uh, hopefully, I'm there. As one of the first 10,000 people to get uh, some of my own. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have <laughs> to get there I'm early? Sorry, I'm sorry, I would. I'll be there at 4:30, so I better be there one of the first 10,000. Uh, no doubt. Like, get one for mom or whatever. Is, is, would she be on board with putting one of these on? Um, maybe, maybe the sisters will. I don't know. We'll see. How does mom feel about the tattooed Tyler Sagan? Uh, she didn't like it at first, but she understands that I moved out. You know, when I was 15, 16, and you know, that was kind of it. I can make my own decisions to a certain extent, and I wanted to get a tattoo, and I think I was 17 my first one, and uh, I don't even think I told her, but she wasn't that thrilled. I don't know if any mother mother's thrilled, thrilled with tattoos, and now she just doesn't comment on them, so I think okay. she might like them. So oh, you answered one of my questions, so you were 17. Do you not, yeah. do you not need some sort of signed parental agreement at 17? Uh, yes, you do, and we'll kind of leave it at that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't know if Canada was different. I don't know. He signed well, it. Pretty, think, my mom. I think, it's eight, I, think it's, I think it's 18 you have to have one. 18, or if you're below 18, you're supposed to have one, yeah. Okay. Uh, what was it and where was it? Uh, it or was where is my it? Last, it was my last name on the back of my arm in case I ever forgot it. Um <laughs> So once once I got that, I, I don't know, in the next year or two, I kind of grew up a little bit and said, why did I get my last name on my arm? And then I was like, I got to put stuff around it now to blend it. And so I blended it and I had half a sleeve. And then I said, okay, let's just fill it out. And then sure enough, a couple of years later, my whole other arm was done. And now uh, I got one of my boobs done too. So sky's the limit here. <laughs> and now they're giving away, giving away sleeves at the Stars game. Yes, sir. That's awesome. The uh, homestand continues because uh, Tyler Sagan's sleeve night is Monday. In the meantime, uh, mm-hmm. the Blackhawks are in tomorrow, and uh, you guys are rolling. So uh, let's let's keep the roll going, huh? Sounds good to me, guys. These are good times. All right, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, happy American Thanksgiving to you, and we will talk with you uh, very soon. So, uh, so uh, is that today? What's that? that no, today? it's next no. Week. I'm just anti- <laughs> I'm anticipating you won't be on before next Thursday. Oh. Oh, it's next Thursday. Cool. All yeah. right. Sounds good, guys. <laughs> Hopefully they'll give you guys that day off so you can uh, enjoy all that that means. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. See you, Tyler. That's telling. They're in the weeds. Yeah. Is it today? Thanksgiving? I don't know. I really enjoy uh, – so the picture has the <laughs> – <laughs> the Tyler Sagan sleeve looks great. Then there's the uh, big sponsor <laughs> right across the middle, which oh, I think really? is, I think it's been added to his tattoo sleeve. But we know how that works. Once in a while, somebody's got to pay for all this fun. Homer call of the week, week eleven. 
Let's go down to the sideline. A farmer's insurance injury report, and here's Mickey Spagnola. What do they want? What? Say what? In. Don't come to me. I can't hear a thing. Felix Jones, deep for the Cowboys. Get ready, Dallas, as Sports Radio 1310, the ticket presents the Homer Call of the Week. Strap up. And the ball goes out of bounds. Wait, it goes in. No. That's no good. At the horn. That's no good. That's They're easy. saying they won the no. game. No, no, no. The ball no good. was thrown over the back no of the good. basket. And they no. got the basket. Fourth down two at the 17. And SMU stopped and they won it in OT. Paul Hall looks to his right. Yes, yeah yep here's homer call here's dan thanks man uh please listen to the following six cuts take uh very detailed notes, and at the end, vote for your favorite two. One will move on into the Homer Call playoffs, which uh, will be right after the new year in 2020. So six cuts we have. We have two from the NFL. We're going to start with one from Cleveland. All right. We're going to start with one from literally one foot away from me. Uh, I was buying Rafa his hot chocolates that night. Because if you bought it in a brown souvenir mug, you can go get free refills. So I bought Rafa. He's the play-by-play guy. Uh, I was in the Spanish broadcasting booth, and it's located in the end zone. They don't give the Spanish guys the good seats at the 50 like they give the English-speaking guys. So we had had what would seem to be the bad seats. However, the Miles Garrett incident happened exactly in front of us. Like, no one had a better view. Of that last play, which everybody is talking about. The English guys were jealous. The English guys, in fact, I listened to both their calls. They got the names wrong. They didn't know what was happening. They couldn't tell. Only the Spanish booth could see. Now, the call sounds great. And uh, I kind of think, I don't really understand what they're saying. I kind of think feel like Rafa was taking up for Miles Garrett. He was looking at the TV uh, monitor. He's pointing at uh, Mason Rudolph. He seems to be like he a homer. Perhaps should be on seeing homer call. things from a Browns point of view. Right. But I'm not exactly sure what he said. That's why in studio joining us to help with the translation, ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle From our sister station. <laughs> Hello, What's Michelle. Up? It's so good to be here. Where have you been all these I know. Months? It's been a year or two. I don't know. It's been a while. Well, you're back. I'm back. This is big. You can't curse. 
Uh, oh. Did she curse on the air before? But it's when yes. Jay calls me time. on the cell. It's when Jay calls me on my cell phone that I. I oh, I bet that happens a lot. <laughs> no, I mean like. Do you have to block I don't him? have. I don't have headphones on, so I forget. Is Jake always liking your Instagram pictures? We're and- not even friends. <laughs> We're not I know friends he- anywhere. He hates me. Yeah. Well. Dang it. He's I, a bitter uh, little ferret. I always like her Instagram pictures. Aww, I, I do. You're the best. I know. We're totally We're friends. We're friends. Quit creeping on Mishrod. Black friends. All right. Anyway, Mishrod, you are here not only to tell us that you have Instagram pictures, but to translate what we are about to listen to. This is the. Uh, are you familiar with what happened? Yeah, Miles Garrett. Yeah. Yes. Last play of the game, um, or almost the last play of the game. He sacks Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph was upset with the, uh, after the play ended, sack, kind of. Yes. He starts yanking at his uh, helmet. Miles Garrett says, wow, little man, cool that you would do that. Here's what happens when you start yanking my helmet. I rip yours off, and then I beat you with it. That's what happened. Here's how it sounded in the uh, Spanish booth that I was in on Thursday. Una atrapada, dos intercepciones. Y ahora viene, y es Miles Garrett, no se deshizo de la pelota. Y ahora está el pleito ahí, y Miles Garrett peleando, Uy, peleando y lo agarra mal. de la cabeza. ¿Qué le hizo? Le quitó el casco a Miles Garrett. Y ahora viene el pleito. Uh, uy, Miles Garrett tirando con el... Uy, uy, uy. uy está para... ¡Oh, patada! ¡Tiró! El y número 53 acaba de tirar una patada a la cabeza de Miles Garrett. Pouncy de la Florida. Y ahora se limpian las bancas. De los Browns no los dejaron salir de la banca. A los Browns no los dejan salir de la banca. Wow. Algo le hizo Rudolph a Miles Garrett que lo obligó a sacarle el, el casco y después Miles Garrett tiró con el casco. Y eso podría ser suspensión. Miles Garrett le saca el casco a Mason Rudolph y era prácticamente. Sí, pero Marquis Ponzi. Marquis Ponzi le tiró una patada en la cabeza a Miles Garrett. Sí, claro, después de que Miles Garrett lo que tenía era el casco de Rudolph. Ahora toda una confusión allá. Prácticamente frente a nosotros. Garrett le Marquis quita Ponce, va expulsado, sin duda alguna. Bueno, pero Garrett también puede ser también, expulsado. Pero Marquis Ponce tiró una patada todo. en la cabeza. Ahí mira. está, mira. Él lo derriba allí a Mason Rudolph. Right? Pero ahí, Rudolph le agarró ahí, la cabeza. Rudolph le agarró la cabeza. Y él le saca el casco, Rafa. Sí. Pero no para golpearlo, sino como para calmar, o sea, para dejar todo. Y después le golpea con el casco porque Rudolph Look, le sale encima. Pero mira, mira, mira Ponce. Ponce kicked him. Claro, Ponzi le sale para defender Watch, a Juan Carlos. Ahí está. Sí, sí. Ve. Él lo agarró primero, le quitó el casco. Rudolph tried to take his helmet off. Is he telling that to you? Is he trying to translate to you what's going on? Uh, <laughs> me, and, character. me and Joe were standing in, the, in there, and he'll look at us sometimes. So I don't know. He did a little Spanglish there yeah, for us. Yeah, he did. Él está golpeada en la cabeza. It sounded like a boxing match. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly. That what's was a play patata play. la cabeza? A kick on the head. Was there, is there a kick in the head? I, oh, yeah. I yeah. Oh, I, I, I missed that yeah, on well, Twitter. Well, Rafa didn't. No. no, in fact, because he's forming <laughs> ooh, his defense see, for the Browns. That's all you have to say when you're like, uy, ah, uy, Dios mío. That's it. <laughs> but Rafa was clearly taking the Browns' side of things there, right? Yeah. Dios mío, ay, ay, ay. What am I doing in country radio? Boy, we asked we've that every at, day Yeah, about we've you. wondered that for many, many years. But <laughs> That explains all the... Instagram post where you try to convince us all that you're so into meeting this guy. <gasps> oh, I'm, did I say that on the air? How dare you? <laughs> I'm going to see George Strait this weekend, Ooh. and you will be so jealous. Damn. Oh, I know you love it. If George Strait was in your backyard, you'd pull the blinds. 
That is so <laughs> She would not. She would not. It was disrespectful, and I apologize. I was talking to Bob. <laughs> nice laugh. <You're> n- <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, I'm well, thank go. you, but right. but you would agree. So oh, basically, yeah. Rafa is saying, yeah. "Look, it's not his fault." Yeah, there, there, there was, it was justified. Yeah, it was justified. There was a patada. <laughs> patada. Patada. It sounds like a, an ice cream cone or something of Gosh, some sort. Cabeza is such a better word than head. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, we should thank, English thank English needs Bye to consider that. Great seeing you. Bye, Michelle. Happy Thanksgiving. That was only our first call. Uh, let's move on. Washington. They're having a rough time. Have you been paying attention to the Redskins? Yes. Very, very bad team. I believe they're 1-9, and nine, and they're saying, how do we ever win one? It's a miracle. Uh, for four games in a row, four entire games, they had not scored a touchdown. They had scored a field goal or two, but not scored a touchdown in 16 quarters played. So when they finally do score a touchdown, they get very excited. 34 to 3 is the score. Jets comfortably in front in this one. Redskins is trying to find a way to get in the end zone to break the drought. 16 quarters without a touchdown. Screen pass to Geis. On the right side, has blockers up the sideline. 30, 20 to the 10, 5. Geis gets hit. He's in. Geis' first NFL touchdown. And the Redskins finally, finally get into the end zone. After 16-plus quarters, what a great job by guys to get it in. We made it to the oasis. And those who live We finally early. drank the touchdown water, man. <laughs> oh, Finally. Day one, kid got some skills. Acceleration, he showed it all on that, and he found a way to win. Hey, guys, at least we got something we can be celebratory about. You know, this will go on the Jets in the record book. They'll know that they were the team that gave up the touchdown after 17 quarters. Well, 16 and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> really, it's almost 17 as you get closer to five minutes left in the fourth. <laughs> You're counting the minutes. <laughs> basically. It's basically September. Basically That's what right. happened. I like them yelling at those who left early. <laughs> you missed that. The 34-3 to uh, touchdown. Uh, let's go to some college games. Apparently, UT Permian is a college. They're taking on A&M Kingsville, and uh, it's the end of the first half. A&M Kingsville is uh, set to score. It's first and goal with uh, four seconds to go. So they are looking to punch it in. Okay. Here is the UT Permian play-by-play, guys. It's definitely going to be the last play of the half. Falcons 35, Havelina 7. Uh, Haviliners are set up on the uh, Falcons' six-yard line. So it's either them or us. Either kick them out, keep uh, keep them out of the end zone, or um, surrender the TD. Now remember, Falcons get the ball to start the second half. Detmer gets the ball from the uh, center, going to roll to his right, and he lost the ball. O'Kelly's got it. O'Kelly's down there looking for a block. Get a block for John. Let John go. John's going to score. O'Kelly, although he hands it off. Handed it off to Hogue. He handed it off to Hogue. Why did you do that, O'Kelly? What a play. What a play. Wow. Man, I've never seen that kind of play. That was cool. That ball, if we get a chance, here it is. Watch this. He goes to throw it and loses the handle, Barry, and it went right straight up in the air, and O'Kelly caught it. Yeah, now watch this. He he caught it at about 15. 
He's got this lineman outrun. You know, he's got Chris down there blocked for him. He's going, hey, Chris, you want the ball? You're Chris, a senior. Go You're score a touchdown. You're a senior. Go for it. There was a lineman running downfield with him, and he decided to just hand him the ball at about the 10. And the lineman got the touchdown. That's beautiful. We go to Central Michigan and Ball State. Brian. Uh, big comeback. Central Michigan comes back big uh, with a minute left. They uh, now lead by 145 to 44. Ball State has the ball with less than a minute relate, uh, remaining. It's fourth down. Central Michigan on the call here. Four wideouts. Plitt takes the shotgun snap. Under pressure. Steps up. Throws. And it's intercepted by Troy Brown at midfield. And Central Michigan is going to come all the way back and win this football game in Muncie. What a game. The Chippewas down 17. And they are up 45-44. And a kneel away from getting out of Muncie with a victory. Incredible oh, what comeback. Play. What a great warning. <laughs> That's fine. Take it. Have your sideline warning. That's great. What a great play. The Chippewas oh, have turned the football over three times in the first half. They finally get their first takeaway. Oh, what a great play. It's hilarious. There's clear windows up here in the booth. So everybody on each side of us can see everything. And I... Brock wasn't excited Adam and at all. I are not well liked right now. More likely me, but I don't care because there's been a little bit of a smug attitude in this press box all game. So I'm very happy right now. <laughs> That's the definition of Homer, isn't it? Oh my gosh, the imagined smug attitude of this press box is the best. <laughs> press press box smug in there. <laughs> very oh, so press you box. Think smug. you're better than us? Well, look at that. Take your L. Um. Because us, you know, he's part of the team, part of the crew. Part of the Chippewa Nation. Let's go to OU at Baylor. Baylor, uh, so OU just kicked their field goal. They go up 34-31. to And there's 30 seconds left in the game. Baylor has a second and 10 at the Oklahoma 40. They're trying to drive and uh, get into position to perhaps tie. Well, here's the OU call. From the 40. Oh, I think also I should just mention uh, the previous play. Uh, the dude had the ball in his hands, and then he dropped it. Like, he dropped a game-winning interception. From the 40. Brewer wasn't expecting the snap. He's got it. Quick throw out. And it is intercepted. He got it. Intercepted. It was Benito. You cannot hitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the board. In Waco, Texas, Lincoln Riley. Accepted by the defense. Took a house in disrepair. Refurbished it into their own palace on the banks of the Brazos. Unbelievable. Benito dropped it. And on the very next play, he didn't. And Oklahoma has pulled off on the road one of the most unbelievable victories in program history. Lincoln Riley took his house, which was in disrepair, and refurbished it here in Waco. It's an underground underdog story. <laughs> but uh, now Chip and JoJo, they're the reference for Waco. Love it. We don't think of uh, Koresh anymore. They were picking games. 
And pay, finally, pays to not pay taxes. They don't have Koresh pick games. Don't you don't have to every time. <laughs> finally, uh, Armand, uh, one more college, Wachita, taking on Henderson State. I think this is in Oklahoma. We've had these guys before, <clears throat> and this is called the Battle of the Ravine, Bob. It's Wachita Baptist. They're trailing twenty-one to seventeen. They get it down to the one-yard line, just over 30 seconds left. Here we go. And he's going to get the direct snap this time. He is a senior from Sheridan playing his last regular season game of his career at Cliff Harris Stadium. They split out now. They give to Brown. He goes to the land of Milton Hay. Watch it, Oh, Rex just taking the crowd now. My goodness. Watch it, has won the Battle of the Ravine. Say goodnight, Reddies. Watch it, wins for a fourth and second Battle of the Ravine. They're undefeated. They win their third straight undisputed GAC championship. Painted purple, baby. Painted purple. <laughs> Cliff Harris Stadium, huh? Yeah. I believe that's pretty recent. Well, there you have it. You're voting, uh, you vote for either the Cleveland Spanish call, where they're sticking up for Miles Garrett, Washington's first touchdown in 16 quarters, uh, basically 17 quarters, right? Permian High School, or excuse me, Permian College, UT Permian. You had Central Michigan with the guy who's part of the team, clearly, uh, bowing up in the press box. OU with their game-winning interception. And then Wachita. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Bob? What do you think? I really like the Chippewas taking on the press box, and I really like Wachita. Boy, Permian's good, too. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I'll take Wachita for the wild card, Central Michigan for the win. And my apologies to Permian. You were very good. I like Central for the win. I'm going Cleveland for my wild card. I almost went Cleveland for the win because I'm a homer. Julie? Um, I vote the same as Bob. Central Michigan for the win, Wachita for the wild card. Jake? I voting same. Oh, Yeah. So, Mino, your vote doesn't count, but go ahead. Okay. Because you're so cute. Central Michigan for the win. You guys are sleeping on Permian. Yeah. Give me them as my wild card. All right. And there's week 11 of Homer Call of the Week. Congrats to Central Michigan. Yay! Finally picks with friends. All right, it's quarter after two. That means, whoa, it's Thursday. It's picks with friends. Here's your host, Dan. All right, all right, all right. Let's welcome our friends on. For some reason, my computer is not showing me who's on what line. So I'm going to guess. Oh, here it is. The phone is working. These are all the Buyer's Barricades ticket hotlines. Right. Let's start out with uh, the Morning Jub, who joins us on the first hotline. Flaring rubs, Cindy. Hey, George. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, 
Remember when we saw each other this morning? Hey, man. Yeah, thanks for coming in. We've been, uh, you know, kind of having trouble in that 8 o'clock hour. I appreciate you coming in. To, you know, helps out a little bit. Yeah, Mary Burner called me last night and said, look. I know. <laughs> there's only one thing that can help out the eight eight fifteen segment. That would be you. We're still going to cash in our Jub of the Week chip here very soon. We could use it too. We could use Anytime. a little. We could use a little Jub bump. Or is that what we're getting right now? It might be what we're getting right now. Anyway, maybe Corby bump. Yeah, uh, that means something else. <laughs> <laughs> Up next is the great Donovan. Who I also saw li- earlier today. That was really cool, man. Yeah. Remember seeing yeah, you. Yeah, in the- good seeing you also, man. I saw you in the break room when you were giving Mishrod the business. Uh, that was Yolanda, not Mishrod. So there's one more than one Hispanic that works at the station, Dan. Oh, I know you know that. Like- you're well aware of every girl that works at the station, Donovan. Well, I know let's not that. refer to I don't them know what as you're talking about in Hispanic. That's uh, Donovan can say whatever he wants. That's a little too far. What does that mean? <laughs> He's got seniority around here. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, also joining us is our third friend. <laughs> Everybody be cool. Who I have yeah. yet to see today. Oh, you know what I really like? Because I was thinking Corby's a yuck monkey. Corby, join Ooh. us. Hello. Yuck monkey. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. I like that tweet that was uh, detailing all of the musers... Like, somehow the musers have taken, you know how we took Napoleon Dynamite from them, Bob? Allegedly. They saw it a year before we did, but then we made it our own. Uh, they have taken the uh, the monkey thing away from us. We were the home of monkey news, but now you guys got Coco. You invented the chimpanzee. Why, uh, Bob? <laughs> what else? What else was on that tweet? Anybody else see this? Uh, hey, what, why why does show, I mean like we all promote the monkey? Like what why does one show have to own it? Oh, we have we an open monkeys. Yeah. Oh, chimpanzee that monkey news. Yeah, where's where's your open? I just feel like the yeah, musers have really doubled so down on it lately. You're we claiming that your show owns the concept of the monkey. Okay, it's a uh, Coco double fake Coco. They're giving you Dallas Bryant, and I think we've been more on Dallas. The chimpanzee, and then Nolan with the snow monkeys. Put it over yeah. the top this morning. I say advantage musers. Yeah, there's a a, a real primate focus on that morning show. I'll give it to the musers for, for finding Chimp and the chimpanzee, because that I'll say that put them over the top. That was That made my life better. Is that a new so, phone, Corby? Yeah, did you just get a Campbell soup can and uh, attach a string to the end of it for your phone? Uh-oh. Through me? No, this is Corby. Corby's the only one with a bad phone. Are you ear-potting it? No, I'm not. Ooh, My better. Up. You're, Bluetooth, better? you're Bluetoothing us. Whatever you did, it just got better. Okay, okay. No, I went from actually on the ear to Bluetoothing right now. Way better. All right. Okay, right. don't move. I won't. <laughs> Maybe it'll help your picks. <laughs> That's, there's some trash talk from a guy who went 8-2 and two this past week. So this past week, again, the standings have changed. And again, the last place finisher this year will wear a full football uniform all week right again. at the Super Bowl <laughs> in Miami. 
In first place, he's way beyond thinking about that uniform right now. The great Donovan. What a year he's having. We have uh, bet 110 games. Donovan has picked 61 of them correctly. He is 61 and 49. What do you think about that, Donovan? Uh, Let's keep it going. That's all I think about it. I try not to think about it. You don't want to entertain questions about your season? No, I'm just here so I won't get fined. (laughs) He's on to Seattle. Boosie. He is on to Seattle. Moving up to second place after an 8-2 and two week, the Kempanzee mm-hmm. with 58 wins now. He's 10 points clear of the drop zone. <laughs> Tied for third. On the heels of a 9-1 and one week. Bob, you only picked the Texans at Ravens wrong. You idiot. Why wow. would you think Lamar Jackson wouldn't be able to beat the Texans? I'm sure I'll learn from that mistake. So you have 56 wins now. And, of course, uh, that big Browns triple play kind of built your momentum on Thursday and carried you right through the weekend. Uh, also tied for third would be Jubb, 56 wins. He lost his Let's triple go. play. Oh, the Sooners let him down. And, uh, where do you go, Corby? I know, Corby. Sorry. What's wrong with you? Sorry. Should you Sorry. put in the belldozer? <laughs> Corby, you lost your triple play. You bet on UCLA to just keep it within 21 to Utah. What was the final score there? 49, 49 to, to three. 49 to what? Three. Three. <laughs> Has Chip Kelly just given up? How'd Chip ever get three? They were playing better until that. Dude, it was like seven to three, and UCLA was driving at the end of half, and they fumbled and... Utah returned it for a touchdown, and then it was over at then. Done. Mm. <laughs> well, we could give him a win, I guess. Though. So I'm in fifth place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Donovan has 61. Bob is such a football bully. Jake, 58. Bob and Jub, 56. I have 54. And in the very rear is Corby, 48 wins. So you're... Six games behind me. You could catch me this weekend. I will, How are you doing in the paper? Uh, it's funny <laughs> you mention that. I told, I told Jake this. I got an email from from Scott Bell, who runs the paper. He goes, Greg Corby, who went 14-5-1 this week. But uh, sorry it doesn't translate to your radio bit. <laughs> uh, boy. Okay, so we only... Yeah, I remember when people used to read the paper. Okay, so we... We, oh, sir, we have this week. Our partners. We have Thanksgiving week, and then we have two more. So 40 games are left, just so everybody's on the same page. The final weekend is uh, the 13th, okay? So we will end up with 150? So we will end with 150. There are 40 games left to go. And, Corby, you have a six-game disadvantage to make up on Dan. All right. Let's go. Okay. Bring it on, Holmes. So let's start the uh, week with our – got to pick the Cowboy game. The Cowboys are at New England. Patriots favored by six and a half. Six and a half. You can't make up your own lines this week, Corby. Uh, So pick the Cowboy game and then pick a triple play, uh, neither of which I have done yet in my head. (laughs) Uh, So let's throw it to the great Donovan to start us off. Patriots favored six and a half. Give me the Cowboys. Homer. 
And for my triple play, yes, sir. if I'm reading this correctly, and I think I'm going back on the bid I've been doing all year long, in the email that I have, it looks as though Western Carolina and Alabama is a pick em. <laughs> Western Carolina and Alabama? If that's a pick em, then I'm triple playing Alabama. All right, well... <laughs> Let's make sure, Jake. I think they probably just took that one completely off the board. And takes care of this. There's no line on that, Lewis. Yeah. It, yeah. it says pick them in the email that I'm looking at right pick, now. You can't pick it. I'm going to take Alabama, too, then. <laughs> <laughs> Play the game the right way, okay? It's in the email that it says pick them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can say it all you want, homeboy. It's the last place. I'll oh, whoa. Geez. Now, all of a sudden, we're looking at get uh, personal. people's followers, follower counts. Okay. Uh, can I not take that game? You can't. I can't. No. Meow, 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 no. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> now you're soft for not. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand. The minos shouldn't have said that about me. I'm taking Alabama. Okay, well, well, if I can't take that, then what about the Abilene Christian Mississippi State that's a pick 'em in the email? They're off the board. It says pick 'em in the email. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> How long is this going to take? I feel like Gribble has taken over Donovan's account here. <laughs> I don't understand why if it's in the email, I can't take it. Jake? It's just some stupid thing on the website. Play the game correctly. You know that's a mistake. Please pick a game. Well, give me Middle Tennessee State. Okay. <laughs> Old Dominion. Why? What, what are you basing that pick on? Because you jack wagons won't let me take what's in the email. Yeah, but you're just taking some random game you don't know anything about. He's in first place by a mile. I am you, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you have a point. All right, Jake, you're in second. How's this feel to be uh, picking second? Feels feel great. pretty good. I'm going to take the Patriots as well. And you know what? Actually, no, he that. took Dallas. He took Dallas. I'll take the Cowboys. Okay. I'll take the Cowboys. All right. Let's settle on Cowboys. Homer, Homer. I want a postgame show unity. And for my triple play, Mino. Fan the flames. Fan the flames. That's right, baby. I'm going with Buckshot Calvert, the greatest name quarterback in the history of college football. The Teletubbies are turning kids gay. They should stop making the straws paper. I will take the Liberty Flames. What do we got? It's uh, plus 17 at Virginia. Oh, wow. Buckshot Calvert? Come on. Yeah. Buckshot. And then they got uh, one of those top receivers in this draft. I'm Are going you sure you can take that game? I'm going with Falwell. The, the right way? Boy, I don't know that Liberty's ever gone up to Charlottesville. That's uh, that's Maybe they have, but uh, that seems like a big deal. 17. Okay, here we go. All right, uh, Bob. Uh, okay, I'm going to take the Cowboys, and uh, you said Jeez, I... what a homer. You said I only lost one game last week. Yeah. That was believing in the Houston Texans. Uh-huh. Let's, uh, let's double down. Let's take the Houston Texans lane three and a half tonight on Thursday night football. Short week. Bounce back theory. You don't beat the Texans by 34 twice in one week. We're taking the Texans over the Colts mm-hmm. on a triple play. That's big. Jub. Jub couldn't make it. Who's this then? 
Mrs. Buckshot Calvert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Buckshot. Do you still have eligibility? It sounds. You sound like you've played yeah. your best ball. I played baseball first, and then I came back and played football. After the Civil War, evidently. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and uh, give me the Dallas Cowboys. Homer. And I think it's going to be a close game, so I take the six and a half. And then give me the Tennessee Volunteers. Of I course. take that four as my triple play at Missouri. Were you a uh, volunteer yourself, Buckshot? Yeah, that's where I started before I transferred to Liberty. <laughs> no, I mean an actual volunteer, like in the war. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he doesn't get scurvy. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that when you lost that's your arm, right? On my bucks. Yeah, that's where I took on my bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a left arm. I just need the right one. That's all you need to throw. That's all I need hey, to do, Virginia. <laughs> can I change mine to go against Joe? No. Yeah, sure. Why not? Go ahead. All right. Wanna, oh, so who do you got, Missouri? I'm taking Missouri, yes. Wow, he picked a team without a direction in front of their state. What a curious development this is. I like the uh, the going against bit. That's fun. I didn't I yeah, didn't like that fun. character he just put out there. I like fun. <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? That's why I'm going against it. Character that character is guy ran in and said he's Buckshot Calvert. That's what I'm right. Do you think like Buckshot Calvert <laughs> was fighting for or against Lincoln? Oh, no doubt about it. He was going against <laughs> That's why I'm going against him right now. All right. Donovan, you're taking the one state that was neutral in the war, so it's not really benefiting you at all. It is my... Huh. War humor. It is my turn to pick. I will take Belichick and the Patriots to uh, cover that six and a half, right? Just got to win by one touchdown. Yeah. No big deal. I'm sure... Uh, those, that's a good Dallas pick, though. They're usually pretty good on the road. Uh, and then this weekend, let's go back to a well. Want the Colts tonight? Challenge match? I don't want the Colts tonight. But I believe that an incident occurred that will cause a team to galvanize. Uh, does that mean come together? You're, you're sure. together? Yes. You're galvanizing? Girls. Yeah. Honey, let's galvanize. Uh, we got it. <laughs> Give me the Cleveland Browns. Oh my gosh. To wipe the floor. He can't stop. With the Miami Dolphins. What is it? Nine and a half? Ten and a half. Ten and a half? Well, I thought it was your... nine and a half no, on our no, thing. No, 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 no. Ten and a half on it's our thing. Clearly ten and a half because really? I was pondering Fitzmagic. But if you want to go against Fitzmagic. You want to take the other? No, I'm just going to enjoy watching Miami for uh, entertainment purposes only. Give me the Cleveland Browns. Jeez. <laughs> Abused lover. Baker Mayfield. Man, cannot stop. He'll take whoever they have Kareem against Hunt. him next week. Corby, you're back in this thing. <laughs> Man, Go against me, Corby. Up. Sack up. Well, I was. I was. No matter what you were going to pick, I was going to go against you unless it was OU or Baker. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't go against Baker, right? I can't root against Baker. Yeah, someone might tell not- Baker. He won't be invited to his into his home. Since I am six and twenty-seven now on my trip, <laughs> eleven weeks, six and twenty-seven. 
It doesn't matter who I pick. It loses. So let's just get it over with tonight. Let's just end it all tonight and rip the Band-Aid off. I'll be taking the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets <laughs> to cover two points against North Carolina State. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I thought he was going to go with Indy. That's a battle of a 1-4 home team against an 0-4 road team. That sounds like a delicious game. Yeah. Let's just get it over with. And you, I will text you this week, though, Dan. This is the week I catch you. Uh, Cowboys or Patriots? Uh, what did you pick? <laughs> I took my Pats. All right, I'll take my Cowboys. All right. And there it is. An- <laughs> there are another the week. And there are friends. Of picks with friends. Thanks, guys. Happy football. Go, friends. Okay. See you, Buckshot. See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah. Go to hell, Buckshot. Oh, man. Jeez. So mean. Man. All right, we're going to go, guys. Well, P1s, that's all for the podcast this week. Have a fun weekend, and like that, we're ghosts. Results of your test back? Yeah. Well, what'd the doctor say? Well, he said I'm eating up with AIDS. Oh my God, Dawson. You don't even seem to be concerned. Hey, Kimberly, I've beaten acne. I can beat this. Well, do you think that I might have it? I don't know, but all this AIDS talk has got me horny. Oh my God, Dawson. How can you think about sex right now? You're right, Kimberly. I should be counting my blessings. I'm 22. Hot, and I own my own creek. Oh, Dawson, let's do it. <laughs> I knew you couldn't resist. Dawson, you have to come to the school rally tonight. We have to stop the nuclear power plant from dumping waste into your creek. Yeah, I can't believe, but I don't really care. I mean, so what? I have four testicles now, but at least I'm no longer eating up with AIDS. But, Dawson, radiation doesn't kill AIDS. You're right, Kimberly. Only AIDS kills AIDS. Oh, Dawson. Hey, all these extra testicles are making me horny. Why don't you take your shirt off? Oh, Dawson. Give me AIDS. Boy, Kimberly, being a freshman at State U is great. I really love it here. Dawson, as long as we're together, college will be the greatest time of our lives. Yeah, high school kicked major ass, but college is going to kick even more major ass. Hey, all this talk about ass is making me horny. Take your shirt off. I, I told you, Dawson, not until you give me a promise ring. Yeah, right. Here, try this new drink. It's called a roofie float. Roofie? Dawson, isn't that the date rape drug? You're right, Kimberly. I shouldn't be date raping. That's so high school. But hey, at least it's better than normal rape. Oh, Dawson, pass me the float. Kimberly, it's over. I'm going to leave. I'm thinking about going back to high school. High school? Dawson, you're 31 years old. You're right, Kimberly. But the team needs me. Plus, the girls in high school aren't starting to get fat like you. Oh, Dawson, you're so cruel, but quick-witted. Yeah, the X keeps me sharp. Well, I'm thinking about leaving, too. Kimberly, 
What? Where? I'm going to join a convent, and I'm going to become a nun. Nun? Huh? Hey, listen, all this talk about nuns is making me horny. Take your shirt off. Dawson, I will have sex one more time before I join the convent, but it won't be with you. But, Kimberly, I promise I'll pound you real soft this time. I've had it with you, Dawson. I want you to meet my new lover. Dawson, meet Marco. Hey, Dawson, I'm Marco. Where's Melissa? Well, Marco, I'm Dawson, and I'm here to fight for Kimberly. Well, I'm Marco, and I got AIDS. <laughs>